0: welcome everybody to the 12th episode of sports cards live what a great ride it's been so far had a great show just on saturday with tim getch from C. we had a ton of great uh, interaction with all the viewers lots of questions lots of tough questions tim really addressed a lot of the tough questions that uh People wanted to ask, and I think he did a fine job at that. He was an awesome guest, so thanks again to Tim, and look forward to having him back again in the future. Had great shows last week with Barry Grice and Brian Gray as well, so all those episodes are up on the YouTube channel, everybody. Please go check those out. Subscribe to the channel and watch those videos in, in parts or in whole. They're long, so you know you can watch them in parts, and YouTube will remember where you left off. Before we bring out tonight's guest, Stefan Perot. Just going to uh, remind you this Saturday is Dr. Brian Price from In The Game. And also keep in mind, guys, we are starting an hour earlier on Saturday. Dr. Price is on the East Coast in Florida. So pretty late out there to start at 10 o'clock Eastern. So we're going to start at 9 o'clock Eastern on Saturday instead. Before Again, before we bring out Stefan, I also want to do, we have uh, Hobby Insider, the message boards that I uh, I run um, one of the members there, Greg Gforce, he was giving away two Gordie Howe autographs and so we're going to do that draw right now. I'm going to share the screen and we're going to bring on uh, or bring on the the list of the entrance to the to the draw. Basically, everyone who donated some money to support the site uh, got an entry into the um, into the into the draw. So here we go. Everyone is on this list. I've got there's 88, I believe, entries here, and they're in a random order that I did earlier. So I'm going to bring up the random.org and we will do this. So there's one to 88 there. I'm going to do this three times today. Whoever's name is on top Uh, after three randoms, we'll get the card, the the choice of card one. Greg is actually giving away two cards. So uh, the person in second place will win the second card. And then you guys will reach out to Greg and figure that all out. So I'm going to do this three times, and we will see who wins the card. There's number one, 26. Number two, number is the seventh spot. And the winner is in spot number 81. Let's see who that is. Spot number 81, the lucky winner, Hoju71. Hoju71, you win the first one, uh, actually that's not going to work, we're going to do it again. Hoju71 wins the first one, and now we're going to do the random again three times for the second spot. So let's do that. This is for the second spot. There's the first one, it's for number one, number 65, and the winner is going to be the spot number 22. The person in spot number 22 is DLC, <laughs> it almost was Hoju71 again. So Hoju71 for the first card and DLC for the second card. Thank you to Greg for the support and um, on with the show. All right, guys. So we got Stefan Perot. Stefan, I wanted to have him on the show because he's one of these younger guys who's really making a dent in the hobby. He's run the lead admins I've seen. at card shows for says something let's bring him up and see what he has to say stuff Steph- let's go to this view Oh, You're
1: a little bit frozen on my end I'm sure it was a great intro though there we go
0: Stefan well going to keep on talking all right a little technical difficulty let's go Stefan, great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today, my man? Perfect. I can see you now. All right. We're all good now. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Okay, man. Great to have you. I know there was a lot of commotion uh, on Facebook and that in anticipation of having you here. So hoping that uh, all those people are here watching and are going to throw some good, tough questions your way when we get into the discussion happening Mm -hmm. shortly. But um, listen, kick us off right away, Stefan. I mean, what, uh, you know, I like to start by talking about how people got into the hobby. You're a younger guy, so it's not that long ago for you, but kick us right off, man. What kind of kicked off the addiction for you and with hockey cards and sports cards in general?
1: Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it was pretty random. Actually. I was at a truck or a hockey, uh, hockey camp in summer in Colorado Springs. And I, I was staying at my best buddy's house, Colorado Springs, about an hour from where I lived. Um, and his dad was a big collector and, uh, I always collected as a kid, but I didn't really know what values were. I just saw a picture, you know, it was base cards and I saw a picture of Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, Oh my God, that's cool. Um, so I was always that kind of collector as a kid. And then when I went to my buddy's house, his dad was showing me all his cards and he handed me a stack of cards. I don't know what they were now. I don't really remember. Um, but he handed me the stack of cards. It was probably about 10 cards. And he said, how does that look? And I go, Oh, these are, these are really cool. And he goes, yeah, well, you're holding about 20 K right now uh-huh. in cards. And I was like, oh, 20 hockey cards are worth something. I'm like, there's some money in this game. And I was 14 at the time. Um, that was the summer of when I was just turned 14 and uh, or actually I was 13 at that time. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. So yeah, that's kind of what sparked my interest. And um, I was lucky. As soon as I got home from that hockey camp, i googled you know hockey card shops near me thinking that they would be specified to hockey i didn't know card shops as a whole and i was lucky enough to have mike stadium sports cards um about 10 minutes from my house and uh mike fruitman he's a you know huge guy in the hobby he's had his sports card shop for i think 25 years yeah he's that old um and i just started going in there every chance i got bought boxes and i was just a young kid and uh that pretty much all I did for the first year was just buy boxes and um that that's how I got into the hobby and that's kind of what started my addiction okay right
0: on right hey just before you go on and uh I want to kind of push out a bit more to anyone who's who's uh making comments in Facebook specifically uh you need to go to streamyard.com it's it's on the ticker right now slash Facebook and click the big blue button I'm happy to bring all comments and and questions and uh and poking fun at Stefan if you want. Uh, we're happy to bring it on the show, but don't, but I need to. we need to see who you are. So to do that, go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook, click the big blue button to allow StreamYard to recognize your name, and then we will get you involved. If not, then we're just going to uh, kind of bypass your comments. I apologize for that, just kind of how we run this show. So, okay, Stefan, thanks everybody for that. Stefan, um, so... You, you, I mean, you got into the hobby like seven years ago, as you were saying, you met your, 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 your buddy's dad, put $20,000 worth of cards in your hands, and you're like, whoa, that, that's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Yeah. What was the one thing that really made you, though, uh, what, what helped vault you into the hobby to help get you to the level you're at today?
1: Yeah, so this is a kind of crazy story, and so that whole fall, I moved away uh, to Canada, Um, my first year uh, when I was 14 to play prep school hockey there. And um, my parents were never big supporters in the hobby. They never really understood, you know, hockey cards. They always thought, I like to always say the joke, they're just pictures of men. Um, That's the running joke I have going on. So they never really, you know, gave me anything for the hobby. They didn't really understand it, which is completely fine. Um, But I asked for a box of the cup. Um, 11, 12, the cup for Christmas. And that was the only present my mom and dad gave me because it was pretty expensive. They were, I think probably 400 bucks at the time, whatever they run. And uh, that was the one present I got for Christmas. And I'll tell the after story later, but I ended up pulling a limited logos of Wayne Gretzky from that box. And the box ended up being bought off of eBay from a seller who had like a hundred feedback. So it was a one-off, probably a one in a million chance that I pulled that card and um, what, was it on, to? what was that Gretzky? Was, what was number two that year? Number to ten, and it was the Edmonton oh, wow. patch. Yeah, Edmonton patch, and then I ended up selling that card for eighteen hundred USD when I was fourteen years old, and that's kind of the thing that kickstarted my whole collection that I, that paid for my first trip to the expo. Um, it paid to start my Gordie Howe collection. As a lot of people know, I collect Gordie Howe. Um, that's kind of just like the one big thing that spiraled into whatever I'm doing today. Okay. Awesome. So, so that, that card
0: paid for your way to Toronto to the expo, which is, you know, kind of hockey centric, but there is basketball, baseball, football there. It's mostly hockey for any, everybody watching. And it's, it's an awesome show, um, so when you so you're at this show you've got all this money in your pocket and you're you're 14 15 years old?
1: Yeah, 14 at the time. Yeah. So what
0: what what did you do with the show? Like how did you find it? So first of all, it's your first time at a huge card show. Yep. You're 14 years old and you've got a, a wad of dough in your pocket. What did you uh,
1: how was that experience and what cards did you buy? Um it was an amazing experience. I'm sure everybody remembers their first expo and how overwhelming in a good way it is you just you know i found the expo by youtube videos um i think i was just watching box breaks at the time and then i ran into a video of you know a redemption program at the expo and then I youtube what is the expo and then i saw a huge card show and i'm like holy crap those those things exist like that's awesome i want to go there so yeah the gretzky card paid for my plane ticket over spring break to go to the toronto expo And um, I don't really remember what I, I think I just bought anything that I thought was cool at that time, I didn't really have a PC. Um, The one card I do remember buying is the, I still have it in my collection today. It was my first Gordie Howe auto, which was the 1112 Parker's Champions Renditions auto of Gordie. And um, yeah, that was the first card in my collection of my Gordie PC and it's spiraled on from there, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. I, I spent all three days just walking around trying to wheel and deal. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, it was the best time in the world for sure. And I
0: mean, and you're, you're a 14 year old and I, I, forgive me for saying, using the word kid. I don't, I mean, no disrespect, oh, but you know, oh, you're you're a 14 year old kid walking around. And I, and I remember meeting you probably maybe not that show, although I probably saw you there, but I remember meeting you, I don't know, five, six years ago now, thinking you were not, thinking you were older, first of all, and you, I thought you really carried yourself well, really impressed, you really impressed me with just the way you handled yourself and how professional you were for such a, such a young guy. Um, you know, I've, I've seen you at nationals as well. I think you've been to about six in a row. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah. Six in a row. I've been to everyone since 2015.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of nationals for a young guy. And, uh, I mean, I even remember this last one in Chicago in August seeing you there and I was at your booth and I'm looking at your showcases and I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's some nice stuff there. There's some cards I'd like to acquire. I don't think we did any. I don't remember if if I bought anything from you. I might have picked up one card. I'd have to really go back. You picked up a Chicago card, if I remember right,
1: a Taves. Oh, a Taves
0: card. That's right. I picked up a nice Taves card from you. That's right. Yeah. Um, But, you know. It, one of the things that impresses when, when I see a young guy in the hobby, and I think it's cool to have you on because it's it's evidence that there are younger people in the hobby. I mean, you're 21 now, so you're not a teenager anymore, but you were a few years ago a teenager. And a lot of people are always saying there's no kids in the hobby. Ah, the hobby's not for kids anymore. Again, not to call you a kid because you're super mature for your age, but there are more youngsters in the hobby than I think we've a lot of people expect. And to top it off, I mean, like. I almost wonder how do you hold your own when you're at a card show, especially set up as a vendor at 21 years old, amongst all the the real veteran pro sharks out there that are walking around trying to you know find deals and maybe put one over you if they can. How do you uh, how do you kind of defend against that and and carry yourself amongst all those other you know call them pros or really
1: experienced yeah. collectors and vendors? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it really just comes down to knowing what you have and being knowledgeable. I, I always tell people that are new in the hobby, you know, know what you have research as much as you can over research. Um, so when you go to these shows, you know, exactly what you have, what's hot in the hobby, what's, you know, not hot in the hobby when hockey cards are, you know, hot and when they're cold and, um, I kind of went through the uh, obsessive stage of learning about this hobby. So by the time I did start setting up at shows, you know, I considered myself a veteran, at least in knowledge um, of the current hobby. And um, that's just kind of how I carried myself. And I think a lot of it goes to, you know, your reputation, like the hobby world is small. It really is. Like um, a lot of people think it's big, but it is small, especially hockey. Um, a lot of people at, know each other in this hobby, especially now with the power through Facebook groups and forums. Um, so when people and Instagram, Instagram, yeah, is yeah, now, yeah, Instagram's grown immensely for the hobby. And, you know, when you carry yourself in a professional manner and, you know, you build a good reputation, then guys, you know, guys aren't going to come to you and try to, you know, pull a fast one. They're going to treat you with respect and treat you like how you should be and, that's just always how I tried to carry myself and still try to carry myself today. Right
0: on. Okay. So listen, we have a bunch of questions and comments, mostly comments coming through. So I'm going to just throw a few of them up there. I think uh, an, an anonymous user said, well, as soon as I brought you out, said, well, this show just went downhill.
1: Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say the same thing. I'm like, you see, you have Gary or uh, Brian Gray from Leaf. You got Steve Menzi from the Expo, Chris Carlin, and then you have Stefan and Yeah go
0: right this guy well you know what listen i mean my my show is kind of it's, it's i like to have a mix i like to cover all angles you know saturdays we do industry insiders wednesdays we do what i call collector's perspectives getting a collector on and we've had a bunch so they've been really great episodes i'm always really pleased with how they've gone i also want to point out guys i started a twitter account right there twitter account for sports cards live if you want to follow if you're someone who uses twitter go ahead and and uh follow i'll follow you back notice that the last letter is not the e it's the one someone else had sports cards live itself so they gave me sports cards liv one um thanks to anyone who does go ahead and do that uh will i'm not wearing an avalanche shirt this is just a, a logo from a company that i do business with uh, ralphie says you should have your gordy how mug there with you, stuff on. yeah you probably should marty says he met me and then wanted to be me when he grew up
1: Oh God! You remember Marty, the old, old, old guy who was friends with Jesus. And uh, I do
0: remember Marty. I I remember seeing Marty with you at the set up with you at the expo, and set up with you again just at the national in in Chicago here. Uh, yeah. Very nice gentleman, uh, Marty. If you're still watching, glad to have you uh, hanging out with us here tonight. Um, PLJ wants to know how is collecting while being away from home to play hockey, and I want to come back to that one in a second because we're going to tie that into a few other things that we were talking about. So we yeah. will we will get back to that. Uh, Jason says, he remembers when you started in the Facebook groups and eventually you migrated your way to uh, to uh, JPMs. Uh, what else does Jason say? Uh, Jeremy, I think I have a picture of us at one of the restaurants a few years ago with all of us. I'll have to find it. Yeah, I'd love to see that, Jason. Definitely, uh, Definitely do. And then Marty says, I met Stefan when he was 15 and spent five days. With the most mature fifteen-year-old ever met, we've been friends since and get together national. I mean, and and Marty's no spring chicken, right? I mean, Marty's, Marty's got to
1: be in his fifties or so, I would think. Marty, I hope you're not younger, and I just said you're in your fifties. You're in your fifties, but eighteen seventy-three or something along those, give or take five years in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree with Marty. You you are certainly a
0: a mature guy for your age. So you don't you don't come along, you don't come across as a twenty-one-year-old. What Sam got to say. Good evening, Sam. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, Adam, yeah, Stefan Youngbud representing. It's awesome. We're going to just go through a few more of these. Just think one of the biggest Facebook car groups was started by a 14, 15 year old at the time. Great to see you younger. Yeah, Nick. I mean, I completely agree. And we underestimate as a hobby just how many younger people there are. If you go to, the, I mean, and for us, the people are watching that are like hockey guys that are in Canada that go to the expo. We see some young people there, but if you really want to see young people really enjoying and being active and participating in the hobby, you have to go to the national. It's, I mean, first of all, the show is way bigger than the expo and it's filled with with just so much action and a lot of young people running around. By young, I mean like, you know, the 10 to 20 year olds. There's yeah. just just a lot of them for sure. Yeah.
1: Um Let me just step yeah. in. I didn't start uh, JPM just before, you know, one of the yeah, other people think you did I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, take an admin role on later on, but I, I didn't start it, but I just wanted to make that.
0: Yeah. Change. But you, you're an admin there and you're an active admin and you run group breaks in there. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I see you in there very active. Jason has another question. You have 500 bucks to start in the hobby. What do you do? I think we're going to come back to that because we're going to talk about that later. We have that on the agenda. Uh Ralphie, I remember when I showed Stefan a Gordy Howe peerless uh whalers and he didn't believe me that, that it existed. Hilarious. Well, it does, it does. I think it's out of five, right? And Barry, I remember the Gordy Howe PC being shown off on Hobby Insider. I was super impressed for a younger guy having direction and focus, which is great because I think if there's young people watching that you know they should reach out to a guy like Stefan and get advice from someone who's in their sort of age range. And I think you're you can be an inspiration people to people to really understand how someone younger can actually navigate their way through the hobby amongst older veterans like myself and others who, you know, can be quite savvy at times and uh, you don't want to uh, fall behind and get trapped in anything. So you're someone who could really provide some guidance. I think, I think you should, I mean, this is just new thought in my mind, but this is something that you should stefan I'd like to see you embrace and really take a role in that uh, somehow or other, but maybe some uh, discussion for later. Uh, yeah. Yeah tim says you're stefan slowly getting all of my pc into his own collection so i know tim's got an amazing collection he loves his vintage uh vintage patches and that and he's got my favorite
1: card from tim still one of my favorite cards
0: anyone out there who's on instagram you want to follow tim i think he's at chili cards chili like c-h-i-l-l-y cards uh he shows off some awesome stuff so go ahead and follow tim on instagram guys Amit, welcome to the show. Young people are at the shows with the cash. So it's about time we paid them some respect. It's true. I mean, these young guys have wads of cash on them. I mean, here you were a 14 year old at the expo with $2,000 in your pocket in 2014. I mean, the money was worth more back then than it is now. That was quite, yeah.
1: a quite a load of money, right? Yeah, well, that, that's all thanks to the, that uh, Gretzky card that I pulled. Literally, like, I wouldn't have gone to the Expo that year or had any cash to spend at the Expo if it wasn't for that one card. But I see kids at the National, like, especially the National. I haven't been to Toronto Expo in probably, I, th- I think it was two years, two, three years, whatever it was. Um, but the National, it is insane, these kids that come up to the table and they will point at a $15,000 card, a $10,000 card, and they'll haggle with you. They're like, would you do 12 K for it? I, I experienced this firsthand at my booth. It wasn't my card. It was a guy I was set up with. And I, the guy couldn't have been older than 16 had, right. yeah. And was haggling between 13 and $14,000. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, there's no way, like, and it's uh-huh. my, but it's good. It's good that these kids, you know, whatever, wherever they get their money, I have no idea um that they're in the hobby and they're putting this cash back in the hobby because that's how you get addicted. And that's, I mean, when even guys, you know, it's going to start with the older guys. Uh, and when they, you know, pass away, someone's going to have to buy the collections and keep the collecting going. And it's good and promising that there's young people in the hobby and we need to, you know, somehow as a community, find a way to get more youth involved. And I think upper deck, you know, does a good job with that. And, um, yeah, I think just whenever we have a chance, we should embrace young guys in this hobby for sure. Right, and don't
0: don't look when they come. If you're if you see them at a card show, you see them online. Let's let's not disrespect them just because they're younger. Take them seriously, uh, and you know what? Because you just don't know who you're dealing with. I, I've had people come. up, I've had young guys come up to my and women for that matter. Young girls, young guys come up to my shows, come up to my booth at at Expo at the national when I was set up there. And, you know, they're like, hey, do you want to see what I got? And I'm like, sure. So I'll never say no to anybody who wants to show me their cards. I'll say, sure, let's see what you got. I Open it up and I mean, I'm looking through cards, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar cards, one after the other. And I I, I look back up, I'm like, what? <laughs> where, where did you get these cards? Like, like, how did you, what do you do for a living at 15 years old? That you, can have, you can walk around with $30,000 worth of cards in your box. It It, it blows my mind. I think, you know, I think we have to just kind of nurture that and hope that these guys are going to be lifers and keep on, keep on in the hobby. So, okay. Back to some comments here, Stefan. Um, Marty has a question and it's going to be hard to answer these all because we want to get back to a bit more about your history, but where do you think the hobby is going with all the product doubling on release day, distributors holding product back, prices going up? We'll get, we will get to that Stefan in a little bit, but Grant wants to pay you the ultimate compliment that you are his mentor. You are
1: Grant Patterson's mentor. Oh yeah, I mean, I've I've just I've guided that kid since day one in the hobby. He's, uh, <laughs> you know, he pretty much has all his thanks to me for sure.
0: Yeah, here's a great. I like uh, this one. I want I want I want you to answer this one now because this is a great question. I like the insightful uh, ask. That Brett always has great questions. But have you ever thought about how like where would you be right now? How different would your collecting journey been if you didn't pull that Gretzky out of that one pack of the cup, a four hundred dollar pack, yielded you a. $1,800 card. Do you ever think about that? Like, do you ever kind of look back and thank your lucky stars?
1: Yeah. Especially like, you know, I, since I knew I was doing the show, I thought about that and I don't know where I would have been. I know for a fact, I wouldn't have gone to the expo that spring. And I know for a fact, I wouldn't have, you know, gone that how card um, would I still be in the hobby? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, where would it be like, where I am today or, you know, the knowledge I've, you know, gained today, I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, being at that expo really, you know, opened my world to how the hobby really is. And I learned so much just in those three days um, that I, I don't think I would, you know, be what I'm doing today. And, you know, where my collection's at today, um, if I didn't pull that card, because that's literally the sole reason why I got to go to the expo and, you know, just embrace that. So I'm really lucky. And especially like the crazy part of that story is is that my mom bought it off of eBay and from a guy who had a hundred feedback in it. You just, you know, your rule of thumb is, you know, don't buy wax off of eBay unless if it's a really recognizable seller. So
0: Right, I think the, the biggest fear with buying a tin of the cup off of eBay is that somebody pu- somebody opened up the first couple of tins hit hit the hit what they deemed to be the case hit, and yeah. now they're going to sell the others to some suckers. And I'm guessing that that would have been a case hit back in the day. A Gretzky limited logos Oilers uniform out of ten has to be a yeah. case hit. Yeah. Okay. So Ralphie says, you know, you've definitely have great knowledge on how and great insight multiple times. So you know, I mean, you've got reach in the hobby. People know you. They they definitely respect you which is, which is great. Um, and then uh, I like this comment from Chris, someone remind me to bring a full box of Proset Platinum to Jeremy to blow his mind at the show. I mean, it doesn't take me long to figure out to determine how long I'm going to look at someone's cards for when I do open it up, but I will look through, especially when it's someone younger, you know, I will definitely look through their cards because I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect them or, you know, and they with their parents. And I think it's just important to do that for, for all show dealers. I, I think it's really important for all show dealers to, Really, when a kid comes to your table and you don't think they're going to have much for you, you know, if you're not super busy, give them the time of day. It might turn them into, it might make them feel respected, liked, and it might make them somebody who's going to stick in the hobby instead of somebody who has a bad experience because some arsehole of a vendor didn't give them the time of day or just shoot them away. So I think that's really important. On that note, Marty calls Grant a turd. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the banter. That's what's so funny this hobby is you just create friends and they're just like high school buddies again you just abandon. Exactly. exactly old buddies right we can always bug each other don't forget the pogs for
0: sure and what does nick says not many vendors are like you you're one of the more humble and professionals in the hobby nick uh thanks man i really appreciate that i just try to treat people with respect and um but you know people have disrespected me at my booth and i basically told them to go away because i uh, you know i only only so much time in the day right but uh, in general, as a default, I think we should be respecting the people that come to our booths and um, giving them some time a day, especially the younger people, because we may, we may in that one instant turn them into a lifer in this hobby. And I mean, if they love it as much as we do, then I think we're doing them a service. So that's great. Um, the Moose is asking, would you ever consider a full-time employment in the sports card industry? OK, I'm going to hold this question here. We're going to hold the comments for a minute because I want to go back now to some of the to tie into the earlier questions, yeah. uh, the one about collecting uh, when you're when you're living away from home. So mm-hmm. you said earlier that you moved to Canada for ho- to play hockey, which you yeah. do still play. You you play semi pro or whatever you play. You've had offers to go play in Europe, right. it's yeah. about your hockey career, but it's about I want to keep it on cards. But why don't you tell us about when you moved to Canada and I think you went to Kelowna specifically and how you the card shop there and who you met there and how what you learned from the guys
1: at the local card shop in Kelowna bc canada yeah, absolutely so yeah i moved to play at pursuit of excellent hockey academy in uh Kelowna i moved away from colorado to Kelowna when i was 14 and that was just like right that was before the cut box and everything it was that you know that coming up christmas where that happened so that was i was still really new in the hobby And, you know, really just interested in everything and still learning everything. So, um, you know, obviously the first thing that I did when I got to Kelowna was Google, you know, are there any sports card shops near me? And, uh, yeah, Players Choice in Kelowna, Jason and Dean there. um, Every off day I had um, damn near I I spent in that shop, um, just probably annoying the crap out of Jason and Dean. (laughs) (laughs) I just hung out there a lot, constantly, you know, just. Just looking at how they dealt with their customers, you know, how they wheel and deal, um, how they ran a business of a sports card shop. And, and they taught me a ton. and they were always awesome to me. And um, that it's one of the best shops. I, I mean, I know they won an award by upper deck. Um, but they really like that's the first experience I had learning the business side of the hobby, which I took a huge interest into. And just kind of how the hobby worked from a business standpoint. So yeah, that I mean, Jason and Dean taught me a ton um, early on. And did did you pay the, for that education? Like, did you spend money in their shop along I the way? Definitely, I definitely spent a lot of money in that shop. Every 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 chance I got, um, you know, I, I was I was buying a box or buying into their breaks or wheeling and dealing at trade nights. And um, yeah, I, I I spent my fair share of cash at that shop. Um, yeah. To to amount to the uh, um the time I was in there um, probably didn't you know match up but you know they, okay. dealt they dealt with it good I mean you yeah a younger guy coming in the shop I mean I owned a shop in uh, in Winnipeg
0: from 1991 until 1994 and I was a youngster at the time and uh, you know I loved when people came out and hung out with me a young guy whoever didn't matter it was just awesome to have people hanging out with you in your shop especially if there was no one else there you want you know company's always nice. Um, So if you had to say, like, what was the key business lesson you learned from those guys? Hobby business lesson. And I know we didn't talk about this when we kind of prepped for this, but is there. And while you're thinking about that, I mean, I'll I'll just say for as far as a player's choice and Jason and Dean goes, I think uh, Jason bought out Dean. So it's Jason's store now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my folks actually live in that in Kelowna, B.C. So when I go there for my summer vacation, I'm, I go to that shop all the time and, and see those guys. So they're great guys. They have a great shop, a great shop. And I know they're doing online uh, Facebook. They have a Facebook page and they're doing, uh, I think, every, one one or two nights a week. They're doing live auctions of cards or they're, they're doing basketball and hockey cards. And uh, so if anyone else is there is listening and wants to go check them out, you should go do that. That's uh, Stefan's original or, or or I guess your second uh LCS, if you will, after um, Fruitman's in uh, in Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah. So, do you, did you kind of think of something there that might be the one business lesson you learned from watching these guys
1: operate? Absolutely, and it was more from Jason. Um, it was just kind of the art of wheeling and dealing. Um, he, you know, he still does. I'm I'm pretty sure. Just you know, buying out big collections, piecing it out, and finding the contacts to get these cards and making money off of it. I thought it was super cool. So I just kind of learned and I I watched a ton and, you know, probably had a hundred conversations with Jason about, you know, just, you know, the little details on, you know, what you need to do to be a successful. And that's, that's just being a salesman and a businessman, you have to be personable and guys need to like you. And, um, I just thought it was really cool buying collections and flipping them and ending up making money on them and i've been doing that for the the last seven years <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely the the one thing that i could probably highlight from that
0: cool i, I remember being at shows set up uh, at the same shows with those guys and they'd buy full tables full booths at the end of the show on, on the regular they did it all the time and then you go to their shop and they the, those purchases that bulk inventory that they had was sitting boxed up upstairs Never to see the light of day because they just didn't have the they didn't have the manpower of the hours to deal with it. I think I think they're finally starting to get organized and really uh, really do that. So kudos to them. That that's great. Okay, back to a couple comments from the last discussion. Oh boy, there's a long one. Let's see. Brett says good advice. Lots of opportunities to educate and inspire people, not just the younger crowd. Yeah, and I'm glad Brett Brett points that out because I was being a little biased towards the youngsters. But really, I mean. We should be doing it for everybody. And then Chris makes a very astute comment here that you can't judge a buyer based on their appearance. Not everyone wears their money. And true, true story. I mean, there's a guy that comes to mind that walks around the expo. And if he came to your booth, you might not give him the time of day. And I I just know this guy's got a lot of money to spend if he wants to. And there's there's many guys like that out there, right? I mean, and those are the people that I kind of respect the most that aren't looking to uh, to attract attention to themselves and kind of go about it at, on a kind of on the down low. Right. And they're not there just to flaunt their money, but they love their cards. They love their high end cards. So they they buy those high end cards. Um, staying on the top of the youngsters, Jason has a very long comment. I'm going to throw it up but as long as it doesn't <laughs> cut off our chins. Jason we will put it up there. But it does. So I'll read it instead. Um, you agree on trying to bring the younger generation in many times you've done this with kids also tried to work with them when they didn't have much to help grow their collection. Stefan is different than a good portion in the way he handles himself, very mature beyond his years and has been great help in the hobby. Stefan Perot might be a great person to connect to the younger generation, showing them and the hobby, how to showing them how to act within the hobby. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you can be a real inspiration and, and a mentor to young people because you're. You're in their uh, in their age range, Marty says. I go back now over forty years as a collector, dealer, show promoter, and I've seen a huge shift from ten dollars boxes to the boxes for six hundred to three thousand. It's a hobby. Is the hobby has the hobby become overpriced? Where is it headed? Let's tackle that. Let's tackle that one, Stefan. Like, how do you how do you feel about that? Is the hobby becoming too overpriced? And where is it headed? And I
1: got my thoughts on that too, but you go first. Absolutely. So the hobby's a weird time right now. I, I don't know. Obviously, I've only been in it the last seven, eight years. So you would probably know the more history on it, especially in the 90s. But there's a weird time. Never in a million years did I think that this virus would kickstart the hobby. If anything, like at the very first, I was like, okay, breakers are probably going to be doing well. Wax is going to be doing well because guys are going to be bored. And, uh, but I thought singles were definitely going to take a hit. I I really did. And now, I mean, singles, you know, certain singles, especially in the basketball market right now, and wax is just, you know, higher than we've ever seen before. Do I think it's sustainable? So I think a lot of the singles, um, are, that are getting their appreciation, Will be sustainable. A lot of the vintage, you know, all time greats, blue chip cards, I think those will be sustainable. I don't think wax, I don't think wax will be sustainable in as in every release quadrupling or, you know, times six or times seven, the price of retail that where it's supposed to be like mosaic release today um, in the basketball world and cost on that was $99. It's selling for $800 on the big retailer sites. Um, So I don't think long-term that's sustainable. I really don't. Um, I think the basketball hobby, obviously it's, you know, a once in a generation rookie class. Um, so that's helped. The last dance has helped and believe it, like COVID has helped a lot too. uh So with all of those, you know, being, Factors into this, um, it's drive the hobby to I I think at least in my eight years an all time high it, by far in a way um, you can go back farther than me on that. Um, so like I said, the blue chip single you know rookies and the singles that are uh, staples in the hobby, I think those are, will be sustainable and you'll keep seeing climb in price. But as far as the wax goes, I I, I just I can't see you know, releases selling for eight times what they're originally supposed to. I, I just can't personally see it. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that comment. I don't see that being the case every year. I think it's really uh, has to do with the rookies in the in the in the product. And um, basketball has had a, a really good run. Um, but, I, you know, you go back in time to I remember the first hundred dollar pack of cards, I think it was, you know, in being a, a predominantly a hockey guy being upper deck ultimate and then i remember even even in the game ultimate at at dollars $100, 150 bucks a pack i think they maybe debuted around the same time and then all of a sudden the cup came out which you know and exquisite and now you've got packs at the back then they're only like 350 canadian yeah. maybe you don't know, 250 us whatever it is so you had all of a sudden you had these packs that were way more than 100 dollars here they are 350 400 dollars a pack and then and then as the years went by different companies put out different products until even like last year I believe Leaf put out Leaf Pearl which was $2000 for a pack. I mean, so how how you know Marty's to Marty's question like how far can they push it? And I mean there are products I think you can
1: get products at the $10,000 level certain things by you know special Tops transcendent sorry to cut you off but Tops transcendent that's like $25,000 for a box. Like sure. <laughs> but yeah that's I think that's the highest selling you know current. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's crazy that they keep pushing the level of the pack price up and up and up. And the, but the fact of the matter is, today's dollar is worth a lot less than it was fifteen years ago. So what was what was you know three hundred dollars then is is you know like more like five hundred dollars now. I mean, I'm not doing the the actual inflation calculation in my head here, but something to that to that effect. So, I mean, the I think there is room for expensive products in the hobby. Um, and sure. you know, and like you said, in terms of the blue chip players. You know, those guys aren't ever going to go away. The iconic Hall of Famers are never going to go away. Kind of leads me to a question for you as a younger guy. You know, you never saw Gordie Howe play Bobby Orr. You maybe never even saw Wayne Gretzky play. I, I'm, I'm not sure. How does a guy, and, and I mean, I've asked myself the same question because I collect back to the beginning of time as far as cards go. Why do I collect Art Ross or George Vezina or, you know, Jackie Robinson and... Sandy Koufax and Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain like Jim Brown, why do I collect all these guys when I never saw them play? I don't have a personal connection to them. Um I don't and I mean I ask myself that question all the time. I don't know the answer. So I'm going to ask you instead, why what draws you to a guy like Gordie Howe?
1: Yeah. That's a great question. So I've always been a hockey nerd. Um, whether it's watching the NHL current day, keeping up every single day with the standing stats, scoring leaders. Um, I'm just as much as a hockey history buff for a, a 21 year old. I'm pretty sure I could go toe to toe with anyone my age or close to around my age with a hockey history uh, or a hockey history trivia. Um, and I always saw Gordy as the iconic figure of the NHL. Yeah, you had Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, you had Bobby Orr. But there's something about Gordy, just the way that he played, where he was, you know, I don't want to say a goon, but he was an enforcer. He was a goal scorer. He did everything. And there's something that kind of just drew me to that. And at the same time, I knew that whatever I wanted to collect, I wanted to hold value. So at the time I was looking at it and this isn't a knock to Gretzky collectors at all. I said, can I collect Wayne Gretzky or I could collect Gordie Howe. And to me, I thought Gordie Howe was the better investment. He was older, his hard signed stuff. And I only collect Gordie Howe hard signed. um, They were going to become more rare once he passed away. And I looked at that as an opportunity to collect what I wanted to and what I would cherish But at the same time, have my collection to have the uh, chance to shoot up in value when unfortunately Gordy did pass away and that and it it panned out. I my Gordy collection, you know, I probably paid peanuts to what it's worth today. Um, So that was my that was my stance and view on it. And yeah, it's worked out so far.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it for you is that you just respect the history of the game and you love the game. You play that. You're actually a hockey player, too. So for, yeah. for, a, for a, you know, to see a hockey player, a young hockey player investing in Gordie Howe, who, I, you know, one of the other reasons why I, you know, you didn't mention it. But if I was thinking, why would a guy collect him? Well, you know, everyone knows Wayne Gretzky and Wayne Gretzky idolized Gordie Howe. So yeah. that just tells you that Gordie Howe is definitely worthy of collecting for any play, any collector ever. And yeah. if you, uh, you know, you tie that into, you know, wanting to hold value and wanting to really, um, you know, respect the history of the game, I think you, you picked a, a pretty good player there. You know, so speaking of investment, Brett makes another good comment as usual. We can all enjoy this hobby at any investment level, as long as the individual is aware of what they can and can't chase. Not everyone can shop in the luxury car shop. That's right. I mean, we, we all have our own different uh our, our you know the means that we have or what we have and we ha- and how we ag- how we decide to to allocate those means and deploy our money into, into the hobby or on uh, on food and rent and cars and that kind of stuff so yeah definitely and uh reckless uh completely agrees with Brett but I do think the price of most boxes now scare off a lot of people yeah I think I think you know what it scares off a lot of people but it doesn't seem to matter as far as the card companies go because they're selling through anyway so the nice thing, though, is that the people who are scared off by some of the higher prices, there are affordable options out there, like upper deck as far as hockey goes and tops as far as baseball goes. I mean, these guys make sure that there's something out there for everybody. So, you know, you, you maybe can't have the big stuff or but but, if, you know, if you're younger or, or even if you're kind of on the upward trajectory of your earning potential, you know, you can. Be introduced to the hobby at a at a more affordable product point and then or price point for a product and then eventually graduate up as time goes by so right i mean we all we all kind of i think make our way over time and and, and uh kind of find our way through to what's next and what we we're always wanting more things right we're always wanting more cards new cards better cards nicer cards and more cards which i think i said twice. right so okay um so, you know, you have the Kelowna experience. You've been to the shows. You're 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 rubbing shoulders with all the veterans, all the sharks in the hobby. Those, the, and you've developed the savviness yourself. You've got a lot of contacts through JPMs and through. Now you're on Instagram and you're you're starting a YouTube channel. So I, right now I have your Instagram, and your YouTube channel uh, on the bottom of the screen and the ticker. And I'm asking people, you know, subscribe to your YouTube channel, but be warned, there's no content up there yet. You're just getting started. But I thought we'll throw it up there anyways, because you're going to be you got you got a plan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you plan to do with your YouTube
1: channel? Yeah. So I've been working on it for about a month now. Um, School kind of got in the way with finals and everything. I just wrapped up my first year at university. Um, So that kind of took, you know, priority in it. But now that school's done, it's been done for about a week now. Um, I've been really trying to hammer getting this YouTube channel started. And honestly, it's just, it's going to be an unfiltered, you know, just hobby talk show. Um, I'm not really expecting it to blow up or do anything huge or make waves, but I, I just am looking to, you know, kill some time and talk about the hobby um, and have some fun with it. It's going to be, there, there's tons of YouTube channels out there. Um, like you mentioned before, PSA collector, sports card investor, Um, Phil's polls is a great channel house of Jordans. Like you, you've mentioned a few times. That's a great channel, but there's other than you, there's not really a a hockey focused channel out there to my knowledge. If there is, I apologize. So yeah, I, am just want to start a, um, a YouTube channel that talks about the hobby, the current state of the hobby. What's hot, what's cold. Um, do box reviews every once in a while for new products that release in case guys are wondering what you know a product looks like and if they're interested in it and yeah just kind of shoot the shit and excuse my french and just have a you know have a good time right on okay sounds good
0: i mean i can't wait to see some content on there and watch your first video and uh, you know, if you need any, any tips, if I can help you at all, just shout out, uh, no problem at all. Adam has a comment, you know, YouTube is great for, as a great thing for viewing past players and always pays homage to the goats. Always respect my elders. I mean, that's a great, you know, that's a really good point too, because while we never saw some of those, you know, original hall of famers play, and I mean, I shouldn't say original cause that even predates like moving pictures and that, but you know, TV and video, I, I would say, but you know, To watch Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr, you know, those guys, Wayne Gretzky, um, there's no shortage of footage out there for even for collectors to start to really understand just how good these guys were similar to the way over the past five weeks, every sports fan in the world has realized just how dominant Michael Jordan was that he could basically, if you looked at him funny, he could just win the game because he would have it no other way. And you know the whole I mean kind of off topic but the whole LeBron versus uh Jordan who's the goat of all time or the yeah you know, the goat the goat who's the goat I mean there's no doubt in my mind after that documentary that it's Michael Jordan I mean no one has the competitive fire that that guy had nobody like nobody in the world probably
1: it's yeah. uh and to expand on that comment the amount of hockey footage I've watched on YouTube of Gordy and, you know, the old players is, is sickening. It's, I've spent way too much time watching that. And even older players like, you know, Eddie Shack, um Cyclone Taylor, George Vesna, Art Ross, those guys I've, I've watched footage and documentaries on. And um, it's cool stuff. Like if you have time to kill during this quarantine, you know, do some research. It's, it's super interesting stuff. If you're a hockey fan and it's always good to have knowledge, it's good. Uh, t- it's good dinner talk.
0: That's right, and you might find someone new that you want to collect, or you might just decide, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a little clip of all these different guys, and I'm gonna go buy one card of each of them, or something. Whatever it is, I mean, we all approach it differently, but uh, you know, here's a good point. Another one from Brett. I've learned over the years that I can enjoy and appreciate other people's collections. Such a great part of the hobby, and. I mean, that's what's wonderful about online, like the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the message boards and YouTube. I mean, people showing their collections like that's what I want to see. I want to see people's cards and I want to see people talking about the hobby like we're doing right now. Um, There's a comment here from an anonymous Facebook user. I'll read it because it's really nice. I've been in the hobby almost 40 years and have dealt with countless folks, all good folks. I've known Stefan for five to six years through the Facebook pages and I can say he's one of the very few folks that I can count on 10 fingers and toes at an eyes closed for when dealing with him at his and at his youth. He's a very strong asset to have and he
1: has my respect. Well, most of the time, <laughs> it's probably Fruitman. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm guessing that's Mike Fruitman. Great. Weird. Well,
0: yeah, glad, I, thank you. For, if that's
1: I'm wrong,
0: <laughs> well, hey, you may as well speculate if that is Mike. Thanks for watching the show. Um and, uh, you know, it says, great, good idea. Hockey needs more content, which I definitely agree with. Um, yeah, Chris w- Chris wishes there was a way to watch older games in not 240p quality. Well, yeah, that would be nice. Um, all the Kobe fans have disappeared lately. Must be talking about the goat versus goat uh, discussion. Um, Brett says, I said hi to Mike last week. He went on to drop 53 points on me at the next night yeah that's that was a quote from the from the one of the last episodes there
1: yeah.
0: I said I said hi to him and he said no I'm not having you say hi to me I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you and I'm gonna beat you bad right um uh, what does Chris say MJ has a sheer will and determination to win LeBron doesn't base on his doesn't base on his failure throughout his career well I mean I, I can't speak to the LeBron piece as much but I can definitely speak to the 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 MJ piece and yeah he's uh He's something. He's something for sure. What does John say? John says Poe. That refers to you. Poe is is I use name you. Most sites, yeah. It's, a, it's another name you've used. You're, you're great for the hobby. Wise behind your wise behind beyond your years. Uh, John have asked has asked you advice numerous times on breaking in the hobby, and uh, and he's in his 30s. So here we have a guy in his 30s who's calling on a guy who's 21 years old for advice, and I mean that's just that's just the way it is, right? I mean you have expertise because you're committed man i mean you're committed to this hobby I, I just know that from knowing you right like you're in it i am yeah and i, I don't plan on getting out of it anytime soon you're a lifer billy billy asked am i jealous of stefan's amazing flow of lettuce also <laughs> did i hear you say you want a thirty thousand dollar box so for anyone who doesn't know billy celio is a product uh, engineer i'll call him at upper deck so basically the cards that we're breaking Billy yeah. B- Billy builds many of the sets uh, for Upper Deck, both hockey and entertainment, and uh, does a great job at it. So Billy, to answer your question, jealous, yeah, jealous I mean, of the flow. I haven't had a flow like that since I was his age, since I was in my early twenties, and I had <laughs> it at one time. I did have it at one time, but not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, Richard Richard says, "Is I agree." There's a price point for everyone. That said, I got to look around the camera. Do you think the soaring prices will turn younger collectors away? I think we kind of addressed this one already. Um, You know, he does bring up the Tim Hortons cards, which are a great introductory product for people, very collectible. You know, kids and adults alike are collecting that. I mean, at at the monthly card show here in in, in where I live in Calgary, there's all sorts of guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s that come in looking for their Timmy's cards because it's just a fun set to collect, a a really fun set to collect. So... Awesome. Um, okay. There's a few more comments here. Uh, I like this from Paul. He started watching basketball just to cheer against LeBron. And you know what? (laughs) Let's talk about that for one second, because I remember when I kind of felt the same way back when he had the decision, that big, the big reveal of what team he was going to sign on when, when players can decide who they play for and all that. And I thought wow this guy is pretty full of himself but hey you know he's LeBron James I guess if anyone's gonna be full of themselves might be the one of the best basketball players in the world but when my opinion turned on LeBron it was when I learned about the school that he built in Akron Ohio his hometown for students to go and get a good education and I mean the guy gives back a lot and I think um, you may you know you may not love his game or his some his some of his attitude sometimes I'm not sure, but uh, I have a I have an immense amount of respect for LeBron, and uh, I think what he's doing for society is much more important than what mm-hmm. he does or doesn't do on the court. And you know, from what he does in the court, he has the financial wherewithal and the ability to really help people. And he's helped I think he's changed a lot of lives with what he's doing with that school. So I think that's pretty amazing. Um, all right. Well, we'll throw this one up here, John. So, Billy, are you the reason my last cup case had four Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo booklets and four Bobrovskis and Shrymans? Well, busting balls. Fair enough. I can actually speak to that, John, because I've attended an upper deck pack out for the cup. And I can tell you it's just luck. It's just coincidence because these guys, they pack the they pack the packs and then they they're like the packs are basically mixed. So there's one, there's one group of boxes of the cup that are the that are the case hits and everything else is a is a pack that doesn't have the case hit and they go into this bin I've seen it they're not thrown in they're placed in there I got to put some in myself as long as they're still doing it that way and then they're and then the cards the 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 cases are built from there making sure that every case has one pack that had a pack a case hit in it so I see all the time online people complaining about the the collation of in the high end products. And I think it's just a byproduct of having a hand packed product. And I think it's just bad luck is really all it is. So I don't think they're doing it on purpose. That's been my, that is from firsthand experience attending and helping out at a cup pack out which I did in 2009 for the 0809 uh, release. Um, here we go. What, oh, sorry. Barry wants to know, Stefan, do you collect anything but hockey? And if so, what do you PC? And let's do that because we do have a lot of non-hockey uh,
1: viewers as well. So let's Ooh. give them something to think about. Absolutely. So I was talking to Jeremy last night actually about this. So my main PC is Gordy. I think that's the only you know non-touchable stuff that I own. Although I, I recently, the last couple of years, I have expanded into all sports, um, as far as, you know, buying, you know, trying to prospect, uh, buying, flipping, um, and stuff like that. So currently, obviously I think everybody has kind of graduated or sorry, um, flowed over to the basketball, um, hobby this year, um, baseball with Bowman releasing, um, I think Friday with Jason Dominguez. He's the hottest, you know, Yankees prospect since Mickey Mantle, apparently that's going to be a huge release. So I kind of just go with the flow when it's not with my Gordy PC. Um, I only break hockey. I know hockey the best. Um, that's my passion. Um, so I wouldn't say I PC, anything other than Gordy, but I definitely have cards with me that I've held for years that isn't hockey and um, I'm going to continue to do so. Awesome. Okay. I want to throw this one up here. Jason uh, says he just
0: subscribed to your Instagram. Looking forward to your post. So guys, I've got his Instagram flowing along the bottom here on the ticker. So be sure to follow Stefan on Instagram. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you're not already, I'll throw that up there right there. Um, Okay. So, Awesome, Marty. Marty says you do Pokemon. Any truth to yeah. that?
1: Okay, I do. Don't I? Don't. I it, although I wish I did. I wish I did. The amount of money that is in Pokemon right now, especially for that first edition stuff, is is mind boggling. So yeah. I wish. I really wish when I was little, I held on to all my Pokemon stuff. I really wish I did. I hear you, man. When I first moved out to Calgary
0: in two thousand two. I uh, I met some guys that were that played it, and so they invited me over, and I I played it one night. It was the only time I ever played it, and now (laughs) I sure wish I could go back in time and play it again in 2002 and just uh, take some cards with me. Chris wants to do. You have any Charizards? That being the most valuable of all, and then Barry says Dominguez is also a switch hitter like Mantle and close to your age. So you know, hey, uh,
1: he's younger than I am. So guys coming to the hobby that are, you know, selling for thousands of dollars. I always looked up to them and now I'm like, man, like I'm getting old now. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay. I'll put a couple of the upcoming shows on the ticker. Now we've got Brian Price coming up on uh this Saturday, everybody starting early at, at uh, nine o'clock Eastern. And then the following Saturday on the 30th, we have uh your fellow viewer right now, Billy Celio, who is a product uh, designer engineer for Upper Deck, so excited to have Billy on. He's going to tell us how they how he goes about actually building a set from scratch and what it takes. Not only from scratch when it's a new product, but I'm hoping Billy will also talk about what what goes through his mind when he's trying to you know make a follow up product and make it even better than in the in the in the previous years. So looking forward to both of those shows. Those should be awesome, guys. So be sure to tune in for those. Okay. I'm going to run through the comments that have just uh, been coming up in the last little bit here. Um, let's do this one. Another one, Brett, man, you're on fire tonight. You're always on fire, but tonight especially. Brett says, what would a week or month in your collecting world be like? By buying a bunch of cards to flip, how many wantless items do you chase? Address this one quickly. The first part, especially if you don't mind stuff on.
1: Yeah, that that's uh it, that's a loaded question. So I'll try to make this as short as possible. So honestly, it depends what time of the year it is. Um, you know, August through May now it it's it's school and hockey. It used to be just hockey when I was playing juniors. Um, so I have a lot less time. I still manage to do breaks, but I only break um new products that come out. Um, other than that you know my buying and flipping is really quiet during those months i still do it when i can if a collection stumbles upon me i will buy it and slowly piece it out but now that i'm home when i'm home that's when i go full throttle and you know i'm constantly buying collections and you know whether i'm listing it on ebay i have a lot of connections now and where I'll, I'll buy these cards and I know exactly who to go to. So I usually don't, you won't even see the collections I buy being posted. Um, you're moving them before you get the chance to Sometimes. Exactly. I, I just picked up a huge collection the other day and it's, it's all vintage golf, 1910 to 1940 vintage golf. And so that one's going to be a huge challenge for me, but I'm looking forward to it. It's crazy cool stuff. So that's one challenge that, I'm looking forward to, but yeah, that it honestly, to get back to the question, it just depends what type of year or what time of the year it is.
0: And you're going to learn a lot from that golf. And then, you know, from that golf collection, which might make you an expert and may help you to, to spot opportunities down the road. Okay. Richard says Pokemon is crazy hot right now. Yeah. I mean, I saw PWCC's new listings uh, last night or today. And I mean, those Pokemon cards are already like, there's several of them over $500. Um, and I don't really know who these characters are, but they're they're going nuts. Jason says that uh, Stefan PCs green printed bills of Benjamin Franklin. I think we all try to do that. Um, and Marty says that mantle was the was to baseball what Jordan was to basketball. I mean, it seems sure seems to be that way, right? I mean, his mantle stuff is super super hot. Always always has been. Uh, Brian McDonald says hello. Brian, how's it going? Richie Barone, the mayor of Canada, says, What's up, brother? Richie, always a pleasure to see you. And then Will has a question for you. And then uh, we're going to go to another topic. Will says, Has there been any product releases lately that have blown you away? I mean, I'm going to say for me, sorry, Stefan, I know this question is directed to you, but I'm liking this TOPS Project 2020 baseball thing. I'll just put it out there. I think it's cool. It's a cross section of sports and art. It's going to bring in several new people
1: to the hobby, but you go uh, out, you take it from there, Stefan. Yeah, so by blowing me away, I'm going to take that as a positive, if any product has blown me away in a positive light. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I, I really liked, I'm such a minority when it comes to this, I think, but I loved 1920 Allure that came out in the beginning of the year and that's a insert driven lower end product, but the inserts were awesome in the die cuts. And I'm a lot like Jeremy where I like, I, my, I have a side collection of, you know, cool inserts and things like that. So that was a product that I thought was really cool. Um, in the other sports, you know, I haven't done a ton of research on it. I just watched a few case breaks today, but the mosaic basketball came out today, even though it's a stupid price it's an awesome looking product as far as the design that Panini used to make the cards. And what I really like about prism and mosaic um, from Panini is that it's not an autograph driven product at all. It's the inserts and the cool looking designs that sell. And I'm hoping one day that that resonates to hockey. Um, I I pray that, that it resonates to hockey one day, because I think it's so much cooler to have a set that, carries value of you know of something that's not a memorabilia or an autograph yeah i i i mean it it certainly resonates with me i mean
0: that's what i like when i see a new product i actually did a search on ebay today for um credentials and i was looking as i was scrolling through and all these cards had autographs on them and and i thought i'm just rolling right by. i don't want the autographs to me they make the card look a little bit messier not all i love i love autos in some cases but but for me, I'm I'm now focused more on non autographs. I mean, I I like
1: the shiny rare yeah. inserts as well. So um, um, that as well, they had some really cool inserts with it. I forget what they were called, but they had the insert set. I know Capo Caco was posing like he was the Statue of Liberty, and you know Brent Burns was Chewbacca, and those that. Right. <laughs> Yes. I
0: actually have have a save search for those on my eBay because I thought I might go after them. I'm going to go see what what those are called right now because I forget off the
1: top of my credentials provisions. That's what they're called. Yeah. And I thought that's unbelievable. I think we need more stuff like that. Billy, if you're watching, please bring back precious metal gems, please. (laughs) Yeah, well, and there's only six cards in
0: that in that particular set. So Okay, let's roll through some more comments here. Amit says, Yeah, Project 2020, take my money. They had an art card featuring Mr. Cartoon, who is the artist. So blown away. Richie loves the shiny cards. Amit says, Synergy is probably one of my favorite sets. It's got all the pizzazz. I mean, I love Synergy. I know a lot of people don't, but I think that's a bit of a, a sleeper for down the road. There's a lot of cool looking cards in there. It says, Credentials looks good too. Um, and then uh, back up here to Brian's question. We know you love vintage, Stefan. What's your nicest piece of how memorabilia as a how collector? So why don't we take this minute, show us a couple of your how cards. Okay. If you guys could hold the comments because I want to move on to another topic. We're going to then talk about after you show a few cards, Stefan, we're going to switch to talking about investing in cards and you know what your take is on it. And then we're going to go and talk about some tips that you have. For new or younger collectors getting into the hobby, so
1: uh,
0: let's let's start with why don't you show us some of your uh, your favorite Gordy Howe cards?
1: So I brought out five. Um, it's my top five favorite. It was really hard to choose. Um, so this it's a very well known card. Um, it's the buried treasures of Gordy from probably one of my favorite sets of all time. Um, it's it speaks for itself. I don't have to say anything for it. That's and let me just say, that's National
0: Treasures. So a very well-known brand outside of just hockey. That yes. particular card is numbered out of five. Yes. And I know that those are extremely popular with both. I mean, there's people doing the sets and there's only five possible. Absolutely. popular with both player
1: collectors and set collectors. Uh-huh. So that's number five. Number four and it's numbered out of four it's another one i i hope they bring this back one day because these sets are awesome but i think carbon touched on it um on carbon's episode your first episode i think it was carbon um and it's the stanley cup Titleist set um and that's numbered out of four um of gordy and it's four stanley cups and i mean again it's self-explanatory the camera doesn't do it justice um well It's
0: it, you know it, it's one of those cards that it's a it's got a single color jersey or patch piece in it, but I love how it's in the shape of the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Cup yep. titleist. The other thing is that that set has never been redone. It wasn't oh. recurring in any other years of the Cup. So whichever year that's from, and I don't remember off the top of my head, that is like a one of a kind type of thing. They never did them again, and I don't know if they ever will. I guess time will tell. That was
1: 0506 the Cup. That was the oh not- that. That's the first year, even more special then, for sure. Um, another one, I got this from Tim, uh, Chili Cards, and uh, that's the Peerless Patches. And just the aesthetics of this card, the design, the picture, um, the gold finish on it, and then the end piece of the wheel. I actually think it's awesome having you know a piece of the patch and then a piece of the jersey in the same card. Um, and that's numbered out of five as well. And that's from 1112 Dominion. Um, this one is the only limited logos. I'm going to take it out of this sleeve. Actually, it's the only, uh, time they did this card with him and it's the limited logos um, from 06, 07, the cup nasty. And and this is, you know, if I didn't acquire this next card, this was my favorite card for years. In years and years, and it's pretty self explanatory. And then this one is, you know, and I give props to Carvin, um, because I think him and um, I'm forgetting Vegas Puck, uh, Chris are they had a lot to do with this set, and it's uh, from 1112 Dominion as well. Oh, oh. They, wow, it's the dual peerless patches of Gordy and Iserman, and they both have wheels on it, and you get to see the vintage you know, Detroit wheel with the, uh I mean, I wouldn't say modern, but more modern Detroit wheel. And uh, that's numbered out of five as well. And those are, yeah, those are my top five cards in my collection. It was really hard to choose, but you can't beat, you know, a game used patch and in a hard signed auto, in my opinion, that's, you know, kind of what drives my personal collection, of Gordy.
0: I agree. And when when you were showing that last card, the f- being your favorite, and you said, you know, it's from uh, Dominion, I thought it was going to be the Had It Stamped It, which is that
1: got yep. the because I yep. was I was trying to juggle. I was like, do I, I? I it was hard, but you know, and it really came down to the Had It Stamped It is awesome. I love that card, but it you, you know that that was I had that card. I sold it to Darcy, who then sold it to you, perfect. I
0: believe. So Absolutely. that was. That that was well, also mine at one point. <laughs> Reckless. Reckless wants to say, yeah, man, not going to front. Buddy's hair is fly. Yeah. There's a few of us older guys that might be a little bit jealous of the hair for sure. A uh, few more comments now, Stefan, then we'll get, then we'll get to the new topics. Marty. I love leaf hockey, yeah. such a huge vintage profile. Yeah. I mean, they, they pack, they pack the vintage memorabilia yeah. into the product over at leaf. Uh, Michael wants to, know, where do you, where do you do most of your singles pickups, eBay, Com C, shops, shows? You want to answer that one, stuff?
1: Everywhere. I suggest- about, right? I mean, I think I'm known as a prominently, you know, the Gordy Howe collector um, when it comes to hard sign stuff. So I have a lot of guys, you know, I've had awesome friends. Anytime they see a Gordy Auto, they tag me in it on Facebook or guys reaching out to me for it, you know, Picking up stuff has been harder nowadays because I have a lot of what's out there, but I, 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 everything I've gotten cards from Com C shop shows and, you know, eBay. So everywhere. And all the, yeah. And like you said, all the online and same with me, I think if
0: you're, if you're navigating through this hobby and you're putting together a collection and there's cards you want, if you're not kind of looking everywhere, you're maybe just not going to find the cards that you're looking for. And there's so many different places to look now. And I'm, I'm noticing, even a lot of the guys, like the the older generation, who might not be as technologically savvy, are starting to become that because they're realizing that if they're not going to stick stay with the program, they're going to be left behind. So there's I'm lots of places. That one, lots of places to look. Billy says, "I'm so happy I landed the Shanny version of National Treasures Auto. I mean, there." To me, they're centerpiece cards, those buried treasures. Absolute centerpieces. They're just, and they, they're heavy. Like when you hold that card, that's a chunk of metal in there,
1: right? Oh like, yeah, oh yeah, yep. Yeah. It's one of the best, if not the best set, in my opinion, that's been created modern day. Exactly. I agree.
0: Reckless says, yeah, it's a beauty. I mean, I don't know which one Reckless is referring to of your five cards, but I agree with him on all five. So it doesn't even really matter. I think it was referring Reckless- to. Here. Isn't Gordy Howe's signature so silky smooth? Yeah, I mean he's he all you know, he took time. he took a lot of time to sign his autographs all the time when he did when he did sign them. Oh Michael corrects me says they did refu- release a few titles in 0607. good to know wasn't sure. Thank you for that uh, clarification. Yes, Sam, peerless patches are so sick. Uh, that 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 booklet, right? I mean, that booklet was amazing. Uh, Mitchell has the, uh, the grand fear and the Eric Stalbury treasure. So you can see right, even right here, right now, while we're live on, 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 a, on, on, online, people are coming out and saying, I have these cards and I love them in my PCs. Like it's like I said, it's, they're unbelievable. 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 For sure. For sure. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So let's switch topics now investing in cards, it's kind of a hot topic right now, right? I mean, there's all sorts of content. You if, you, if you guys are out on YouTube looking for shows to watch, hobby content shows, there's all sorts of people talking about investing. A lot of it is centering around basketball, a little bit on football, and uh, not much on hockey. But when they do talk about hockey, the the general sort of consensus is that there, it's just not the opportunities aren't really there, which I 100% disagree with. And, and I've had success with this. So I can, I'm pretty certain of that. But that's just my intro. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about a little bit about investing? Um, yeah. And I'll just preface it to kind of set you up here because we talked about it a bit last night. So prospecting works in baseball. I want you to talk about that with hockey, and yeah. then you've got your three kind of criteria in terms of investing. So let's uh, let's kick it off. Well, let's uh, get into it.
1: For sure. That, that's loaded. So I'll just try to, you know, piece this together one by one. As you said, prospecting. Um, prospecting is huge in baseball. Um, You know, probably your your guest last show, Barry Grice, I think he was a big baseball collector. So and probably a lot of viewers know um, Bowman first, which is actually prospect cards. Those are, you know, the premier rookie cards. They, they outsell, you know, probably any actual rookie cards that Topps produces during the rookie season it's their first prospect card and a lot of the times you know you'll be able to buy cards for dirt cheap um example that comes to my mind is Aaron Judge um when his cards released they sold for pennies on the dollar and then he had a blown up season and they were selling for you know thousands of dollars so I think that's the main difference when you're looking at hockey to baseball so if you bring it on over investing to hockey it can be done. Is it a lot harder than other sports? Absolutely. You see price gaps, you're, sorry, price jumps in other sports way more drastic than you do in hockey. Um, that being said, I still think that there is opportunity to invest in hockey. Now, there's two different types of investing there's your prospecting, which you're really looking for, you know, your quick flips, um, which is, extremely hard to do. It does happen for sure. You know, just look at gericidal, look at Pasternak. Um, those are two great examples of, you know, when it does happen, but it is a lot harder and, um, than it is long-term investing in my opinion. And when it comes to prospecting and hockey, um, myself personally, I'm sure not, you know, everybody agrees with this, but I have three things that I look out for. Um, and one is the country of origin of where the player is from predominantly. And there are the one-offs for sure. Um, predominantly Canadians outsell, you know, P- uh, players from the USA, finish, you know, Russia. You can make the argument with Ovi right now, but he is the best goal scorer of this generation. So it, it is a one-off. Um, so the country of origin is a huge thing to look out for. The next thing is what type of player he is. Um, everybody knows, you know, forwards and goal scorers will always outscore defensemen or sorry, outsell defensemen, not outscore. Obviously they're, you know, mostly, time they're going to outscore them. Um, so, you know, a lot of the times the players that are going to sell the best are the flashy goal scorer, you know, point producing players. Um, and lastly is the market they play in. Um, you know, most of the guys, especially Toronto, uh, you know, original six teams, those are going to be the guys that are going to sell the best. Um, if they're a big player, you like, I, you do have the, you know, guys in, you know, Barkoff, I think sells pretty well for being in Florida, you know, Winnipeg sell, sells well, but usually the general rule of thumb is that the big market teams players sell better than the smaller market teams. So those are pretty much the three criteria that I use to prospect And I'll let the cat out of the bag. I'm prospecting Anthony Mantha right now. I think he has immense, you know, upside to his game. If he can stay healthy, he had four goals in the first game last season. And he was on a roll leading the leading the league, you know, the first 10 games. And then, you know, he got hurt again. Um, So, and he checks all three boxes. He's Canadian. He plays for Detroit and he's a goal scorer. So like I said, there could be one offs for sure, but that's, generally what I look for when I'm trying to prospect hockey cards, which I do for fun. I, I it, For me, it's not so much like I'm investing all my money into this and I'm living or dying by this. It just gives me a way to, you know, invest in players and watch those. And in a way, it's like sports betting without, you know, placing a bet every night. It's, you know, you're always rooting for those players to do better. And it makes watching the games more fun. Right, and you know one of the reasons why prospecting doesn't work as
0: well in hockey, and it's just a fundamental reason to the hobby, is because in baseball, comparing to baseball, in baseball, these players get cards before they played a major league game, so people are prospecting these kids before, right, before they even get in, into the into the majors. Whereas in hockey, there really are no cards that at this point are worthy of investing in until they on an NHL jersey and really get listed in, in a game and, and play in a game so and by that point most people know about them right so it's harder maybe to to really take a flyer on some unknown guy like then versus baseball where it's quite easy to because these guys get cards uh well before they're in the major league so I think that's a, a key fundamental difference but if you're going to invest in a hockey player if you're going to so-called prospect in hockey I like the idea of picking a player that you like the way they look on the ice. You, you like the market they play in, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe you want to take a real gamble and say, well, you know, this is a player I like, like, you know, Jack Eichel in Buffalo might be a good example because here's a great, great player, but he plays yeah. in Buffalo, which is a small market, mar- a small market yeah. and not a, you know, they have their, the team has collectors, but, really, I mean, how much potential does he have versus if he played in New York or L.A. or Detroit or Chicago or one of those, t- t- Toronto or Montreal? Not mm-hmm. not as much, but maybe players like that will get traded. So you could go really out on a limb and, and kind of still prospect that player, hoping that that player does end up uh, in a bigger market eventually, which could really help their cards. We've seen it happen before. I'm all like you with Mantha. I'm also sort of right now prospecting on a player who plays in a small market uh Team and I'm not sure I want to let the cat out of the bag on that, so I probably won't. But, but he's a player who hasn't played yet. I'll give a few hints. Hasn't played in the NHL yet, I don't think. Maybe would have come in at the end of this year. Hey, eh? did you say play a full season or play any games uh, in at all? I think he's played a few games. You know yeah. who he is? I told you last night. But anyway, he's a young guy, and and I'm going to take a risk on that player. But it's very small. I'm going to you know maybe invest a few hundred dollars and. uh and have a few cards in the event that this guy does pop in the league. And it just so happened, you know, I have a cousin, I have actually have a, a first cousin of mine is a, is a pro scout for the team he plays for. So I called him up a, several months ago and I said, Hey, is there any player on your team that you think is going to be really, really good? And he said, actually, yeah, here's the guy. So I said, okay, that's all I need to know. I'm going to go pick up some of his cards and I, and I've done exactly that. So, um, so, you know, investing it's a hot topic right now. Everyone seems to be talking about all these content creators on YouTube and Instagram. It, it And I mean, even Facebook, there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 YouTube show called sports card investor, and he's got a Facebook group. And that's all he talks about is investing almost to the point of not talking about collecting at all. Yep, A lot of people in that group are just about investing. And I think like, Hey, all the power to you. I've got no issues with you guys being in the hobby and doing that whatsoever. I welcome it, but yep. It's certainly not my angle. I'm collector first, investor as a consequence of being a collector. So, um, But I like your three points, right? The market you play in, the country of origin, and the position they play. In hockey, if you want to invest in hockey, you need to go with guys that score goals. That's where the action is. It's just like the scores in basketball and the home run hitters in baseball, right? And the quarterbacks in football. That's where people want to – That's those are the athletes that people – like the most and um, and that's where the best opportunities are in my in my opinion, which I think is somewhat accurate when it comes to that. Yeah. Okay, let's go to a few more comments and we'll go to the other the other topic that we're going to talk about. Um, So let's see here. Uh, there's been a lot of comments. I've missed a bunch, so I apologize to everybody as I always do. Uh, let's see Barry's comment. I was discussing Eichel versus Rantanen the other day as an investment, and I said Rants because he's a top player on a team primed to win a cup. On cups that's drive cards as well. Yep, that's, that's a, a great point. point. That's a really great point. Right. I mean, and for your list, Stefan, I mean, it's almost worthy to put to add that as your fourth criteria: yeah. championships or potential for championships. Would you consider adding that to your three
1: key points? Oh, a hundred percent. If I'm looking for, you know, the quicker flips or quicker prospecting, you will like, I invested in um, Rantanen myself um, and it panned out sooner than I thought it would. Um, Cause he just popped. And I knew, you know, I knew Avalanche, you know, from Colorado, I I'm not an Avalanche, you know, I'm a blues fan, but I'm an Avalanche fan as well, being here in Colorado. So I knew they, you know, they had a really good team coming up and I got to see Ranton in his first few games played and as a 10th overall draft pick. And I was like, man, this kid is, he's huge. He's a goal scorer. He's a great skater. You know, he's a finisher. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to, you know, he's cheap right now. Here's a lot of upside. He's going to be playing with, you know, arguably the second best player in the league with McKinnon and a great, you know, power forward, Landis and it, it panned out. So any team that, you know, is going to be a cup contender, you absolutely you know, for the quick flips, you know, invest in those guys because you always see a pop after the Stanley cup. Yeah. Especially, yeah. For- you know, and someone put up
0: earlier here, which I didn't, uh, uh, they, they made the, they said Bennington. Bennington is the goalie on St. Louis who won Absolutely. the Stanley cup as a rookie. I think maybe the first time since Ed Belfort did it for Chicago. And before that was probably Ken Dryden for the Montreal Canadians. I just going off my memory. I might be wrong on that. So feel free to correct me. Anybody. But um, yeah, totally, totally get what you're saying. Winning winning cups, championships in any sport is going to solidify you as someone who's going to be remembered, especially if you're key to the team, right? So yep. Paul makes a good, he says to Richard, imagine if Stamkos or Kucherov played in an original six team. I mean, there's so many players that are so good that are kind of buried in these lower level markets that yeah. just don't get the love uh, in the hobby, you know, and I can think of several, one guy that comes to mind, Shane Doan played for the Arizona coyotes for his whole career. And the Winnipeg jets, people haven't even heard of Shane Doan. And he, to me, he's like uh, one of the best team players of all time. Yep. Um, Brian says, hockey cards are driven by the world junior championship Canadian players. I've noticed, I think there's something to that. If you have played in Olympics or the world juniors, you're going to have a bit more of a following. Right. Um, yeah. what does Mitchell say? I've loved Eric Stall since his rookie year, played in a bad market and not a big name, but I enjoy collecting him. And that's the beauty of the hobby. We can collect whoever the heck we want. And um, and there are there's all sorts of players that have followings that you wouldn't expect, and you see it all the time online. People are hunting for players of these for cards of obscure players who are not really well known, but people still collect them and that's really great because especially for breakers and people who buy into group breaks and people who bust product, you're getting a lot of cards of players that you want to be able to move to somebody, especially if they're not for you. You can probably speak to that, Stefan, as a, as a group breaker yourself.
1: Yeah. So I actually, away from the group breaking, I want to expand on that comment. So, you know, I was going di- to, I think we were going to dive into this after about long-term investing in the hockey. Um, but I, I, if you're okay with it, I'll dive. But now Uh, I think being in the hockey market, you know, you have cons and you have pros pros being is there's not as many people in this hobby as baseball, football, basketball, and you're going to get the players that you love. A perfect example, Eric Stahl. He was a great player, still is a great player and he sells for pennies on the dollar. If he or that type of caliber of player was in basketball, baseball, or football, you know, that would be a high valued card. And, you know, so that that's a pro to a con, you know, you want your collection to be worth, you know, a lot of money, but at the same time you get to collect the player you love for, you know, cheap, relatively speaking. And so to go on to long-term investing in hockey, I am a firm, firm believer that all the collectors now in the hockey hobby have a huge upper hand long-term. That with that being said, I well to expand on that, we're the lowest tier of hobby, considering baseball, basketball, and football. You know, I know there's other sports, golf, soccer, and soccer has huge amount of steam coming, um, but compared to the other three big sports, I think we as hockey collectors have a huge opportunity um, for a potential pop in the future. Um, hockey is one of the fastest, if not the fastest, growing sport not even nationally here in the U S and Canada, but worldwide. NHL is going over to China. They're going over to Sweden. They're exposing the game worldwide and that any exposure is it's going to bring people to our game. And the more people we have in this game, that's going to resonate to more hobbyists, uh, more people in this hobby and ultimately more money. And, I think it's great. I, I, I welcome that and I envy that. Um, so with that being said, I, I think we as hobby hockey collectors have a huge opportunity to buy those blue chip players, you know, all time, great hall of famers for relatively cheap right now. I mean, if you compare Crosby to LeBron James, it's not even, you know, comparable in the prices that they sell for. You can get a Crosby Future Watch auto for around two thousand dollars. A LeBron James Topps refractor sells for twelve thousand dollars. I, I know I'm probably off a little bit, but that's I'm just not autoed relatively <laughs> speaking. Yeah, and it's not even autoed. His auto rookie, I don't even I don't know what they sell for, but I'm sure it's in the twenty thousands from um I know there, his exquisites are in the fifties, sixties, seventy thousands. LeBron's? Yeah try try 200 190 okay. to 250. Okay, there, that, that 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 solidifies my point. You can yeah. buy the greatest player of our generation arguably, you have OV now that you can put into that conversation and buy one of his best rookie cards and I'm a huge future watch auto fan. I'm a huge future watch auto fan and I think they're great investment pieces long term. You can buy those relatively cheap compared to other sports. Now with that being said, do i think hockey will get as big as basketball football and baseball i hope i don't think so um anytime in the new near future all i'm hoping for and all i'm a believer in is that hockey's going to pick up steam i really do so as of the points i said so you
0: talked about going to china isn't isn't there some prospect coming out of yeah. china right
1: now Yeah. So I wanted to mention that as well. I'm not positive his name, but if you YouTube, him, you know, Chinese young superstar, there'll be a million, you know, um, videos of this kid. And he's from, he's from China and he's deemed to be a high prospect. And, you know, he's, I think he's only 15 right now. So if he came over to North America last year and played his first year, um, and I think he did pretty good, you know, adapting and whatnot. But if, if he, pans out and makes the nhl and even becomes a decent player in the nhl that's going to open up so many asian uh, collectors to you know our side of the hobby and fans from asia let alone the nhl you know going there and exposing our game yeah yeah i think think the game the, the game it's in you know it's a fact that our game is growing at a rapid pace and you know i think it's only about you know about time before this hobby starts resonating as well i i hope you're right i hope that this young chinese
0: you know phenom is uh is the real deal and uh and really helps to uh showcase the sport in in china and other countries too other you know uh asian countries or wherever um and and helps it grow and brings more people in because basketball is huge it's got to be the biggest global sport i mean behind besides soccer but you know in terms of cards and I think a lot of it has to do with the Asian market and just how much money collectors over there pour into the, the 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 shoes that they wear, the Jordans and the LeBrons and the Kobe's and all these, you know, the all the brands that are named after these players that these guys wear. They love the stuff. And you see a lot of them at the national in the States, right at the every year. There's a ton of people that come over from China to to and not only China, it's China, it's Korea, it's uh, several Asian countries are just packed with with collectors, mostly basketball. So hopefully we can see a dent in terms of hockey over there as well and grow the profile of the sport and the hobby for hockey cards uh, internationally as well, more so than it is. Absolutely. An anonymous Facebook user, if this is you, please go to streamer.com facebook Facebook and, and click the big blue button so I can get you more involved but he says, during the playoffs, there's always a player that lights it up and the cards go up. And then Richard says, see, Fernando Pisani, who most people probably haven't heard of, but he lit it up one year for the Oilers in the playoffs, probably when they went to the Cup Finals against uh, Eric Stahl in the Carolina Hurricanes in 2004, I believe it was. No. Yeah, six? 2005.
1: 2005?
0: Five. It was – no, it was six. It was six because it must have been the year after it? the lockout. Was that Cam Ward's rookie year? I think that was his rookie year. Probably his rookie year, yeah. So it would have been 06, exactly, yeah, yeah. Steve wants to know who my specific player is. I'm not telling. Andy joining late. Hello, welcome to the show, Andy. Good to see you as always. Richard has a comment. I would say a fourth criterion, which is harder to predict, would be for which to, sorry, I'm, I'm looking behind my camera, would be timing timing in terms of when to sell. Few situations in hockey will bump value. Stanley Cup, trophy, scoring title, records Hall of fame induction maybe retirement unfortunately passing away so good point in terms of timing when you're in when you're investing in cards I think and I think I think it's more on the sale of
1: the card versus yeah. the purchase of it right absolutely I mean that I think that's you know you can that you can take that all the way to the stock market investing everything in investing is always timing it's timing for Going- sure by knowing when to sell you know you can never really predict when something you i mean you can you could try and that's i mean you take that to the stock market and that's you know what traders are every day are doing and i mean that's that's everywhere i mean
0: timing is everything in in life too not just in investing in cards timing is so important you know it's just crazy how you can you know you if from everything from from you know car accidents, it's just timing is everything in 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 life. so um Andy wants to know if we can recap the three criteria. um I'll do it quickly. so one is country of origin two was um are they a scorer or not and three was the market that they play in. are they on a, a popular team um oh Patrick Waugh won this of course Patrick Waugh won the Stanley Cup as a rookie in 1986. Uh, Cam Ward won in his rookie season. Sam says basketball is so far ahead in on the worldwide collecting. I agree. Hockey is on its way. We, we are probably five, but good upside. I'm not sure what, what we're saying there, but I'm the, the spirit of the comment is that, yeah, we have a ways to go to catch up to basketball,
1: probably fifth in sports and collecting.
0: Yeah. Darcy mm-hmm. wants to know what your top three Gordy Howe cards. Well, we showed his top five a little while ago, Darcy. You must have missed it. So we you can always rewind and see that again later. Um, five years behind is what Sam was saying. We're always five years behind. Okay. Definitely, definitely. And Terry, thanks for clearing that up for Darcy. Okay, that's the end of the comments for now. Thank you. I always feel good getting caught up on those. and sure people are going to send in some more, which I do love as well. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's now talk about your as a younger guy you've got some tips that you would like that you want to share with younger collectors. And I think it applies to new collectors too, not just younger collectors. So why
1: don't you address all of that? Yeah. So these are just my personal, you know, thoughts and opinions and how I navigated through the hobby and it so far it's paid out, paid off for me. Um, So yeah, it's just tips, you know, it's not just for young guys, older guys, it could be for two. It's just, you know, anyone new in the hobby that's trying to learn and navigate, through this hobby you see a lot of older guys i want to say older guys a lot of guys in their 30s and 40s that collected as a kid and now are just coming back into a hobby that's a huge trend right now so a lot of the hobby could be overwhelming for them um so my tips would be one is honestly it's pay your dues pay your dues build a reputation everyone you know most people had to do it back you know i want to say in the olden days of uh of of forms before Facebook's uh, Facebook popped, um, you know you got you had to send first and build up your feedback, and you know you had to build a reputation. And I think that's still very valid nowadays. Um, you got to pay your dues and you know build a reputation and a positive reputation, obviously, if you want to be considered you know legit in this hobby and respected. Um, the second tip I have, and it's something that I did, and I'm so glad I did, and it's it's research everything research over research research you know until your brain can't handle it anymore and the more you learn and find out about this hobby the more it's going to pay off in the future um whether you're you know trading whether you're buying on ebay um making deals whether you're buying in collections and flipping it i mean it's it's so valuable to know the market it's valuable to know you know, the eras of markets, it's good to know vintage cards. It's good to know two thousands cards and now modern cards. Um, Can you, sorry, can you do me a favor and expand on the research piece? Explain to people how to actually conduct this research. Yeah. So what I did and, you know, I was probably pretty lucky, you know, being able to go into the local card shops and, you know, learn, you know, hands on and for the kids that don't have that experience, you know, I would just, you know, eBay is a great tool to use, um, for past sales, you know, trying to learn, you know, what cards sell for, um, you know, you spike in prices and right now stock X, um, I, for those of you who are familiar with stock X, it's a big sneaker, um, selling website, but they've expanded in the cards. And if you, you know, re- you type in a card, it will actually give you, it's like the stock market and it will give you the graph. Of the last, you know, what, ninety days to three years of what cards have sold for, so um, yeah, I think eBay, and then even you know, just learning sets, um, PSA, it has all the sets registry pretty much of all time on their website. So just learning the different sets, you know, the history of the hobby, um, it, it'll it'll come, it it will, you know, it'll be worth it, you know, one point. In yeah, time. and.
0: And so, so that my takeaways there are: um, first of all, uh, you know, popul- you using the grade the grading companies for their population reports, so you can actually know how many. If you're investing or yeah. deal or you're collecting graded cards, you can go to PSA's website, Beckett's website, possibly SGC's website, KSA MNT. You can go to their websites, I believe, and see how many cards of each grade are available or have been actually submitted to them. And they're not always accurate because people crack cards out of slab. So there is a margin of error there. But for the most part, they're going to give you a general indication of how many um, cards are available there. Another really important thing, I think, is just ask questions and ask questions of people that you that you are, you know, socializing with online or wherever, like ask pop, send me a question, send Stefan a question like, People, whoever you're comfortable, your, your LCS owner, whoever owns the shop that you're going to, asking questions is is pretty uh, important too. Yeah, another one, a, but it's I had a, another sort of takeaway from what you were saying, but it kind of slipped my mind. Um, it'll come back to me, I'm sure. Um, okay, Terry wants to know: Do you have any Gordy Howe rookies graded or not?
1: I have a PSA four, That's and a, I'm yeah. I'm looking I'm I'm looking to upgrade. It's expensive now, and uh, but ideally, I want to get a six or a seven one day. That's okay. my. And,
0: okay. and that's a that's an instance where your collecting and your investing has kind of taken the same, uh, it been manifested through the same holding because that card is both something you PC because you collect Gordy Howe, but it's also certainly an investment because you've got significant funds tied up in that card. Is am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And to me, those are my favorite cards. I shouldn't say that all the time, but I, I do love the cards in my collection that are both personal collection. Like I love them for the collecting for just the fact that I own them and collecting them. But I also love the investment part of it. Um, Andy wants to know a bit more about Stock X, and I all I know is that it was uh, as you mentioned, uh, Stefan, It was uh, it's a it's really a stock market for shoes originally. Now they've gotten into into other clothes and yeah. figures and cards. Anything else Absolutely, on that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was originally for shoes and I think clothes, you buy a lot of um, designer brand clothes on there, but I think the last year it could have been longer. They've gotten it like heavy into the card market. And so it's kind of being used as an alternative of eBay and Com C where it's the nice thing about it is all cards that are on there are all graded. There are no ungraded cards that are listed on that site. Um, So You know, sellers will list their card um, for a price and it's kind of like eBay where you can, you know, make an offer. Um, It'll show you right there uh, what the last card sold for of that specific card that you're trying to buy. And then it will show you the graph of the last, you know, it could be, you could put it, set it to 30 days if it's a high volume card, or you can set it to the last three years um, and it builds, I think all through their site and eBay. Yeah. Uh, where it records that data. So it's really, really easy to see what cards have been selling for in just the current market on cards. And it's a really cool site, really cool site.
0: Yeah, I, I've checked it out. I uh, and, and also I know that um, I believe YouTube channel Cardboard Chronicles interviewed the founder of StockX, which is now a billion dollar company as, for, as far as I understand, um, and it's a new company. It's like five years old or something. But uh, if anyone wants to learn more about StockX, just do a do a YouTube search for StockX. And I think the Cardboard Chronicles episode will come up. And uh, Josh, who hosts that show, interviews the uh, the founder and you can really learn everything you want to learn about that there. So definitely, um, definitely recommend that. I remembered what I forgot before. The other sort of point in terms of doing your research, because you were really saying research, 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 if you're new in the hobby, was just how useful ebay's sold listings are if you scroll if you do a search in ebay and you scroll down a little bit on the left hand side there will be a little checkbox that you can you can click in and it'll convert the what you're looking at the page from cards that are currently for sale to the cards that have sold most people know this by now i would think but for those that don't it's an amazing resource it's free of course and it's uh really can let you know what cards have recently sold for and like stefan said especially if it's a high volume card you can get some of that historical data on ebay as well um and brett brett concurs you know ask questions be an active and respectful listener there's you know there's there's lots of lots of lots of people have trouble listening but they're they love except to their own voice a lot of the time myself included especially on this show but um you know always ask questions You can, you you know, you may, you may get some information that isn't good, but you are going to get the odd piece that is, and hopefully more than the odd piece, that is a really good little tidbit, a good nugget of information. So ask questions of people that you respect and whose collections that you,
1: you admire. I think that's a a good, a good tip as well. Yeah. I wanted to spring off that real quick. Even me today, I ask so many questions still. I mean, your guest, I think last week or two weeks ago, Karn Rye. I ask that guy questions all the time. The amount of knowledge that guy has in investing in the hobby, it's it's unbelievable. And I'm constantly asking that guy questions and you know, questions to everybody. I'm still, you know, I, I still ask questions every single day to, you know, other people in the hobby just to, you know, keep learning. You can never know too much.
0: And to find out something you might not be thinking of, right? I mean, the other thing is that so there's so many of us in the hobby and we all approach it differently. So, so we have experts in different sets, different sports, different types of cards throughout. So, you know, even like, like you asking questions, even today, even today, I sent a text message to a buddy of mine in the hobby saying, Hey, do you have time for a quick call? Because I was about, I was negotiating on a, with a, for a card on eBay and the guy he was asking $550 for the card. I made an offer of 200 and he came back at 250. I thought, whoa, we're in, we're in working. We, we can maybe work on something here. Cause from, he came from 550 down to 250 pretty easily. So I thought to myself, okay, 250, that's a fair price. I, I just got to make sure. So I sent a, I sent a message to my buddy. He said, yeah, give me a call. I called him. I said, listen, you're an expert. Like we both love these types of cards. I said, you're an expert in this. What do you think of this price for this card? And, you know, after a five-minute discussion, I decided to accept the seller's offer and buy the card. And, you know, even myself, who's been in the hobby for 40 years and is, you know, active in it, like all – you should see, you know, the daily reports that you get on your phone that tell you how many hours of screen time you've had? <laughs> mine, are, mine are ridiculous. It's like, like – I'm not even going to say, but it's ridiculous how much – how much I'm looking at hobby stuff and it's almost all hobby related. Some yeah. work too, but I mean, between I eBay, you. Instagram, Facebook, Com C yeah. you know, message boards, all that, like I'm on there a lot. So, you know, you can, you can ask, you got to find the people that know about this, the card or the set that you're interested in or the sport or the athlete and and just bounce the idea off them because they may something that they may say something that could change your mind on whether to buy the card or not buy the card. Right. So absolutely. I think we definitely agree on that. Alf says, pay your dues. Totally agree. Cultivate your relationships with other collectors. It's a great source for finding cards from top end to base. And you know, Al's a guy I know personally, and Al um, is a great example of somebody who is very active in communicating with other player collectors. And, and if he sees a card of a player that you collect, he'll let you know he'll like, he's he's he kind of epitomizes that whole con the whole community part of the hobby in terms of looking out for your fellow collectors and cultivating those relationships, because you know, it's all like I get messages all the time. People sending me links to eBay auctions for Dale Howard, a player that I've collected quite aggressively over the years. And, like yourself with Gordy Howe, I'm sure you get those same texts on the re- on a regular basis. And if you're not out in the hobby making it known who you are and what you're collecting, you're not going to get those messages. So to anybody out there, newer veterans, like you got to put yourself out there if you want to find the cards that you're looking for because people will all of a sudden just offer them to you or point you in their direction. And that's really valuable. So, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> An anonymous user, uh, Stefan rocking the flow. Share some of that with Jeremy. Yes, if you could, uh, I'd be all over that. Topic of the night, screw it. Exactly. Just talk about hair products. Hair product. yeah, exactly. So, okay, we we covered it. There's one more topic that I wanted us to touch on, aside from the investing piece, um, the tips for new collectors. I want to talk about grading a little bit because it's a hot, hot topic lately. Yeah. Oh, there was a trimming scandal last year in 2019 that kind of rocked the hobby for a while, had an impact on a lot of great, on some grading companies, some consignment sellers. Um, what are your thoughts on grading in general? And, and, you know, a lot of people take a position that, you know, modern Beckett, vintage PSA, um, not a position I take personally, but many do. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on grading from those perspectives?
1: Yeah. So I'll keep this kind of short. Um, for those of you who want to get, you know, really involved to it, I'd go and watch Brian Gray's episode, like he kind of dives into it and what he thinks. And my views are very similar to him as far as, you know, what people should use for grading and, you know, what reciprocates sells. So there's two different types of, you know, people who are grading their cards. Um, and I do both. I grade cards that I'm putting in my personal collection, no matter what the grade is, because I think it's the best protection. It's, you know, you have that card sealed, you know, it's not going to get damaged unless if you try to damage it. And um, it's great for your PC. I have a lot of Gordy cards um, that are graded um, and that aren't good grades. I got 7.5s, 8s that, you know, I just have in my collection for the protection of it. Um, And I don't care. The other part of it is um, trying to increase the value of the cards and try to sell them um so the general rule of thumb and this switches from all different sports from what i've seen modern day hockey Beckett seems to be you know um the leader i would say in 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 the hockey hobby um PSA 10s outsell PSA 9.5s but it's not a huge margin compared to the other sports in basketball the margin between Beckett 9.5 and 10s are a lot larger than they are in hockey Um, Sorry, sorry the 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 the
0: difference between beckett 9.5s and psa tens are a lot larger in basketball than hockey
1: yes sorry just clarifying yep yep um and in hockey you don't you don't you know there's not a huge gap there psa tens do sell more for bgs 9.5s in modern day hockey but it's not a huge difference um for vintage i would go psa all day long they're known for their vintage grading and um, I think the vintage cards look best in their PSA holders. That's just a personal preference, but I think a lot of people would agree. Um, but ultimately, it really becomes what you like. If you like the Beckett holders, you know, grade Beckett. Um, no matter it, it, if it gets a good grade, it's going to sell well. And
0: um, so, I'm just pointing that out for Mike Roberts, who is the anonymous uh, commenter before Mike. You just got to go to Screamyard.com/slash/facebook. Click the big blue button and that will let us see your name in the comments. I apologize for that, but please go do that. Love to have you join uh, more non-anonymously. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, and, Oh,
1: yeah. It's good. And there's been a recent, I'm prob- there's probably going to be some comments about this, about SGC. And although I don't have anything against SGC, um, they are picking up steam and their sales are getting closer to PSAs and Beckett's. But do I think it's sustainable long-term? No, I don't. Um, just like, you know, Brian Gray said, there's a reason why their turnaround, turnaround time is a lot quicker than PSA and Beckett. And that's just because PSA and Beckett are higher in demand. Um, could you see a switch or, you know, SGC catching up to Beckett and PSA, maybe it's just not something I firmly believe in. And I always think PSA and Beckett are going to be the kings of grading in this hobby for, you know, is for the foreseeable future, for sure.
0: Sure. And, you know, I, I somewhat agree, but I, I will add that as far as SGC goes, you know, they have been around as long, if not longer than PSA, they're one of the originals. Um, and there seems to be a movement going on right now amongst a lot of the basketball guys to really start considering SGC as an alternative to PSA and and Beckett. And if that catches on, I think they're going to have a chance to be cut to for it to go from being like the big two to the big three. And there there was a time before Beckett even got integrating that, that it was SGC and PSA and they kind of shared the market. I think what set PSA apart honestly was their, their um, set registry. It got a lot of people realizing that that's kind of what I what I want to do I want to I want to compete for these set on these set registries and uh, so that kind of put SGC to the to the side I guess as far as that goes but I think they do have a a shot at it Um, and I'd like to see there be more competition because competition is always good but who knows where it goes and I think it's going to take a concerted effort for some influential collectors to start using them and showing them off as PC cards and really doing it but I think the chance, I think the opportunity is there uh, you know as far as whether or not you know Beckett for 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 modern and PSA for vintage I think a lot of that depends on the collector too I think the general rule though is that yeah. vintage most people go with PSA modern most people go with Beckett I think that's just the way it is for me and we all have our own approaches my personal I like more of a, of a uniformity in my personal collection so I do stick to PSA for all my cards um, but I shouldn't say all of them because I do have Beckett graded cards as well and I even have a couple SGCs but no other no other one those are the only ones I do have and um I love all of them to be honest so yeah yeah um okay we got some more comments rolling through here uh and Mitchell yeah I tried to explain I hope uh I hope that um forget uh Mike Roberts is uh click the big blue button that'd be great to have you join us more Let's see what Barry says. He's got another good uh, comment here. I think, the mo- with, I think with modern cards, because the cards are so precisely cut and handled, you need the BGS subgrades to separate pricing. Example, example, TRO BGS 10s are 7K versus PSA 10, 3 plus K. It's a good point. It's a good point. I didn't think of that, you know, because they are cut so much more precisely than the cards were back in the Tops and Opichi days by the wire cutters. Now they are cut more precisely. Um, I wonder right. sometimes though, you know, kind of contrary to Barry's comment though, is that like how closely and how much time are the graders spending on each of these subgrades, especially considering their backlog and the fact that they're so behind and their their turnaround times like, you know, are, are, are not being met. Um, and that's not even, has nothing to do with COVID. That just has to do with the way even for the last couple of years, really. I wonder. Uh, I wonder, you know, the subgrades are certainly important on the secondary market, but are they actually a, a, a per? They're not perfect, but are they a you know a, a decent reflection of the actual condition of the card? So
1: it's a loaded question that you're asking yourself. I know. You we can I have a, an episode all about that specific. Yeah. <laughs> so do your research.
0: Do your research, people. You know, look into the grading companies. Go do f- search sold listings on on. Beckett and PSA graded cards and SGC graded cards for that matter and see how those cards sell. There are probably some really good deals out there on cards that are graded by companies other than PSA or Beckett, i.e. SGC or the Canadian companies, KSA and MNT, that might uh, cross over well. You buy them cheaper because they're not in that in that more expensive slab and you cross them over. There may be some good gains to be made there if that's your thing in the hobby. Or even to just get into a card you want for cheaper that has a, a good grade attached to it. So, and there he is,
1: Mike Roberts in the
0: house. Great to have you back. Uh Barry says, uh, but definitely PSA for the vintage. I completely agree with that for myself. And he was update, he was referenced the tops update trout, which I was thinking you were. So we're on the same page there. <clears throat> okay, man. Listen, we're winding down. We got about five minutes left. You wanted to do a giveaway? I did, was- yeah. Yep. So to, to be eligible for Stefan's giveaway tonight, guys, it's going to be a trivia question. Again, if you're watching on Facebook, you're at a disadvantage because you're 10 seconds behind the people watching on YouTube. So if you want to run over to YouTube, now's the time. The channel is called sports cards live. Go there, subscribe, hit the subscribe button. And if you do that, you are eligible. So I'm going to go to my subscribers list in YouTube now in another window. And, uh, See who all is going to be in there, and Stefan. While I'm doing that, why don't you uh, go ahead and talk about what you're giving away and what the question is going to be to find out who our winner will be?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a Gordy Howe collector, so I thought it was fitting. I'm going to be giving away this. Uh, I think it's a six by ten um, Gordy Howe signed picture, and uh, the COA right here. So this will obviously be shipped in a top loader. It's in good condition. Um, so Gordy house signed picture, um, with the COA and yeah, it's going to be a trivia question. Uh, you want me to ask it right now? Go ahead. Shoot. Right. Yep, let's it, do it. Hobby related. Some of you might know this, some of you not. Um, but it is, what is the last set of cards that Gordy signed, um, where it was hard signed autos before he passed away? What is the last set that he signed for? So the last
0: product release that he had autographed cards in, yeah. does it matter if their stickers are hard signed or? Do you oh, want hard, hard
1: signed. Hard, hard signed.
0: signed. So on-card autographs, the Gord, the last on-card autograph product that Gordy Howe showed up in. That yeah. is the question.
1: He's still actually, he's going to be in the SPA release. Um, Upper Deck acquired some sticker autographs from the estate. So he's going to be on a, I think he's on an Immortals, Immortal Ink set and like an eight way sign of the time. So it'll be pretty cool to see. Okay. So
0: we do have a winner. As long as you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, you can win this prize and let's see. So the first guess was Dominion false. The second guess was 07 ultimate. Not right. The third guess was Dominion 1314. Not right. The fourth Mm -hmm. guess was, national treasures from your good buddy grant patterson <laughs> grant patterson subscribe to you sports cards live 59 seconds ago <laughs> it pays to go on, on to watch the show on youtube when we have giveaways because you are 10 seconds ahead
1: that's that's too good <laughs>
0: Now, if for some reason you want to, you want to, you know, award it to somebody other than Grant, hey, I mean, you guys are buddies, so he might already have that same thing, but uh, I'll leave that up to you.
1: Yeah, no, I I actually don't think this conversation with Grant before, so that's totally fair. Okay.
0: All good. All good. So there you go, Grant. Congratulations on winning the prize. Thank you for subscribing to the channel. Much appreciated. Anyone else out there who's watching, if you haven't subscribed to this to the Sports Cards Live channel on YouTube, I ask that you do so. Um, trying to grow the channel and just get more viewers and more activity, so please do go do that. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. We, what other guesses did we have here? Some more Dominions uh, and lots of NT. Lord Stanley's Mug was one guess by uh, In the Game. Um... <clears throat> Let's go to this question. Before we sign off, we'll we'll do another minute or so. Uh, Amish Dave Archer wants to know, what's your most wanted how that you've either uh, never seen or only maybe once along the way?
1: Yeah, uh, this is a card I've been chasing for a long time. And I didn't show any of my multi-auto cards, but I of you know, know, Gretzky or how, because I have quite a few of those, but one's eluded me for a long time. And that's the... I believe it's the 0607 um, SPA sign of the times, and it's Lemieux, Howe, Gretzky, and Orr. Um, and that, that card's been eluding me for a long time. Um, if it's Gordy Howe just alone, it's the Hardware Heroes from 0607 The Cup. I've been trying to acquire one of those for a long time, but I think they're out of five, and they're just so hard to find. Um, but those two cards are probably the top of my want list right now. Um, they've just always seemed to eluded me and the price keeps going up at every, every year. It seems like Gordy stuff keeps going up, especially for the rare stuff. That's harder to find.
0: Yeah. And especially when he's on a card with, a, a an on-card autograph with guys like Gretzky or in Lemieux. And I'm just thinking like that to me sounds like the perfect card. Is, who would, is there
1: a fifth player that you'd even want on that card? Like, no, no, no. Uh, I want another play on that card. Those are the four horsemen in my opinion of the game, um, you know, that are, you know, relatively, you know, you can go back farther with Cyclone Taylor and George Vasna, but you know, a, a relative day that that's possible. Those are the four horsemen in my opinion. Yeah. And you can, you know, make the argument for Messier or Iserman, but in my opinion, I mean, those are great players for sure. And I have autos with both of those guys with Gordy, but I think those are the perfect four.
0: Yeah, you know, a couple of guys have said, like, Jason says Maurice Richard, Adam says Maurice Richard, and yep. that's the guy that comes to mind for me, too. Another guy that might come to mind for me, but it would kind of change the theme of the card, would be like a
1: Patrick Waugh, you know? Yeah, I've always thought about that, too. If I could, if there would be a, you know, uh, he does has, have autographs with uh, Esposito and Johnny Bauer, and those were um, from Dominion, and yeah. You have a couple of other ones with goalies and those are cool cards i, I think hard when you get hard signed autos with any hall of famer i think it's cool and you know that's part of the my investment strategy is i collect you know old time autographs of players that aren't going to be around you aren't know. be forgotten yeah, yeah. quasi quad says messier and jagger i think i
0: mean i'd almost prefer jagger in that situation yeah. because he's i mean messier kind of played in Gretzky's shadow for a, a bunch of his career even though he was a you know a great leader and all that but I'd almost rather see Jagger there who does who is second all-time leading scorer uh like all-time points wise right like
1: I'd if rather there, see Jagger there it would probably be Jagger now that that comes to mind just second you know like, right yeah speak for itself the moose says Bellivo. And we talk
0: about the guys like Bellavo and Maurice Richard. Unfortunately, they're just not there to sign anymore. Like these guys aren't
1: around. So that's not gonna work. Have autos with Bellavo He has dual autos with Bellavo
0: Oh, true. I guess, yeah, back 10 10 years ago or so, they were they were out there. Yeah, quasi quad throws Broder out there, also. I think Broder would be an alternative to Patrick Waugh, as would, in my opinion, Dominic Hassock. Yeah. Adam's Adam throws sorry, Adam throws out Mike Bossy. Yeah, you know, I, I I I could see it, but he might bring that card down a little bit, in my opinion.
1: He has a couple of cards with uh, Marcel Dion, and um, I'm not taking away from those players at all. Unbelievable, no. they're so un-underappreciated in the hobby. Marcel Dion alone is probably top five, if not the most underappreciated person in hockey history. Yeah, player. I
0: I mean, he was he was the second leading scorer in the NHL, I believe, until Yager took that over uh, not too long. Ago, and he never won a cup. I mean, he had a storied career, you know, 20-year career and never won a cup. We have a couple more. Henri Richard. I mean, I'd rather have Maurice than Henri. Uh, Steven Sue asks how old you are. And I think someone said you're 21. So there you go. Costa says Solani. I mean, I, I love Solani. He's my favorite player of all time. But I don't. I'd almost rather see him on a card that's more of an international flavor card, like Solani, Ovechkin, oh, like, Yager. Of course, something like yeah. that would be. And I don't want the guys like Curry and Curry and Stasny from the '80s. I want guys more from the '90s and the '00s on a card like that. I think that would be that would be awesome. Brett Miles completely agrees with Dion. Yeah, I don't think you can. And what is uh? Paul says? Bossy suffers from that team bias. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine if Bossy played in Toronto. I mean, and and just on that. Oh, yeah. Sam Burray for sure. I'll throw that up in a second. But of course, like if if Bossy, Bossy won four cups with the Islanders and he still doesn't get the hobby love that a guy like that should. But he played his whole career with the Islanders, who. Are That's kind awesome. of the poor man's Rangers in a way in terms of how many fans they have around the world because the Rangers are an, an original 16. So yeah, Sam throws Burray out. Yeah, Burray, yeah. Solani, Fedorov, Jager, Ovechkin. I mean, that, that would be a,
1: yeah, that'd be an unbelievable of times. Hey, Billy, Billy, if you're listening, there you go. That's your next driving, you know, sign of the times product for next year. Get all those guys on one card. One hard sign, Billy. Hard, hard sign. sign go back to the hard sign sign of the times i know it's harder said than
0: done. But. it's hard for them to do jason throws out uh solani and mcgillney i mean yeah because those guys raced the, the you know solani has the record for most goals by a rookie with 76 but that year he tied in goals scored with uh with alexander mcgillney so that would be pretty cool for sure all right man listen we're, we're over the two hour mark here any final thoughts before we sign off? Anybody? Any final comments? We'll try and get them in. Otherwise, we're going to shut this thing down in about a minute or so.
1: Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Sometime next year, whenever. Hopefully, this show keeps going on. I, I, I think you're um, planning to have this go on even past COVID. I hope you are. I enjoy them. It, you know, I whenever I'm shipping and sorting breaks, I, I just throw you on in the background, and it's a great awesome. side, you know, li- something to listen to. So it's great. Yeah, I appreciate thank you that. Though. And uh, yeah, any more questions? I don't, I don't know. I can't see. them. Yeah, it's so. oh, a great compliment. I
0: appreciate that. I do plan to keep this going out. You know, once, uh, once we can start leaving the house more, I don't know that I'll be able to stick with the twice a week schedule, but I will as long as I can. I, I am enjoying it and having fun. And uh, I, we got a lot of viewership, so I know people are enjoying it too. And that's going to keep me going. So um, all right, guys. Well, listen, uh, Stefan, thank you for joining me. It's been a really good discussion. Totally enjoyed it with you. Um you know, I love these Wednesday episodes as as much as the Saturday episodes, because the, the collector perspective is really like we're speaking, we're talking hobby here. And, um, you know, we're, we're representing everyone who's watching in the hobby. So, you know, you have questions, comments, that kind of thing, keep on throwing them up there, loving it. And, uh, yeah, Mike says, yep. Sorting breaks right now too. Well, perfect. Throw this show on in the background, have it on, listen to it. And, uh, And we'll keep them coming. So again, Stefan, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you. Everyone watching, all the comments, guys. Thanks as always. Subscribe, you know, the everything. The subscribe to YouTube. Watch this Saturday, Dr. Brian Price from President's Choice, formerly in the game, will be joining me. The Saturday after that, Billy from Upper Deck will be joining me. That'll be super interesting for sure as well. So Come on out, guys. Watch those next couple shows. We'll see you all then. Thanks for watching. Everybody have a great night and a great a great rest of your week. Thank you again. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve
1: her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.